Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Prey on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. Power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a kid that's found his dad's gun. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc is now in the possession of the Army. Too many others know what's happening out there, and no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. About time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects vast and cool and unsympathetic regarded our planet with envious eyes. Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes.
Broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert, I'm Ryan Gable, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio. If you'd like to contact the show, me directly, email rdgable at yahoo.com or tstradio at protonmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook. Just search TST Radio or The Secret Teachings. It might bring you across Manly P. Hall's work on Facebook, so you can just find my account, Ryan Gable, R-Y-A-N-G-A-B-L-E, and you can reach out to us that way and, of course, keep up to date on all of our upcoming and past shows. Our website, thesecretteachings.info, has our full show archive on it, and it might be a little bit confusing because we've shifted the archive over to Aftermath, so basically the free archive is on our site. You can use the RSS feed for your applications on your phone, tablet, computer, whatever. You can listen for free. There are advertisements in those free shows. We get paid for those ads. They don't cost you anything, but it supports us. Or you can subscribe to Aftermath.media. We have the Secret Teachings option, which should be available very soon. Uh, Or the Premium option, if you're a subscriber to Clyde's Ground Zero, Clyde Lewis, who comes on right before us. You just heard Clyde, and now you're coming into the Secret Teachings. If you're listening on GroundZero.radio, you get a lot of Uh, You get his stuff and a lot of the other goodies that Clyde offers and our show. So there's the premium subscription, the basic subscription. And then if you already have a subscription with the secret teachings, you can keep that and you don't lose that. And you can renew that if you want to just stay with our website. So those are the couple of options that are available. The secret teachings dot info again is the website. And that is how you support the show. Also, our books, Occult Arcana, Liberty Shrugged, The Technological Elixir and Food Philosophy. These are huge books, by the way, massive books. And there's a lot of really great information in them. And, of course, there are some reviews on the website from people uh, that have passed away, like Jim Mars, who uh, reviewed the books, a couple of the books, or Kev Baker, our good friend Kev Baker. Uh, Or we've had, uh, you know, Clyde reviewed one of them, uh, Leo Zagami, a couple of other people. So you can check out that uh, these are books that I didn't just uh, make up out of nowhere and write them and just tell you people liked them. A lot of good reviews on the website. Again, thesecretteachings.info. If you missed last night's show, you missed a fantastic and informative episode. We are remote broadcasting last night from Nexus Occult Books in Tucson, Arizona. We had Andrew Cox, the owner of that store, on the show. And we're doing the same thing right now. This is part two of that two-part series tonight on The Secret Teachings. Andrew Cox is with us again. We're still in the tarot room here at Nexus Occult Books. Andrew, give people a little recap of what the bookstore is, where they can find it. Even if you're not in Tucson, again, this is still going to be an informative and fun show for you. I had a blast last night. Welcome back. Thank you so much for for having us again. Thanks for having me back, Ryan. I really appreciate it. Um, It was super fun. I I love doing this type of stuff. Uh, Our store is located in Tucson, Arizona. We're at 4865 East Speedway Boulevard. And uh, yeah, Nexus, we have about 10,000 books, mostly used, some new. Um, We carry everything from ceremonial magic, witchcraft, divination, secret societies, conspiracies, cryptozoology, extraterrestrials, paranormal, alternative history, and so much more. Um, Yeah, it's uh, the the store is a a lifelong dream. Uh, You know, it's me hoarding books for 20 years has brought me to this point. Uh, My wife had had enough and said, get it out of the house. And now I have a store. Uh, and I'm super lucky and fortunate enough that to, to be doing this. 
And you have oddities. Correct. And we have oddities. Yes, absolutely. We have wet specimens. We got taxidermy. We got skulls, all kinds of stuff. Don't ask where we got it from. Uh, no, it's all ethically sourced. I promise. That's the uh, Geronimo skull that George Bush stole, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, skull got... and bones. Yeah. <laughs> you probably got some skull and bones books, too, don't absolutely. you? Absolutely. Yeah, nothing nefarious going on with that. I promise. No, it's ridiculous. So so let's sort of, um, and, and let me ask you this, too. We, we uh, changed a little bit of the volume from last night. So try to get a little, bo- gotcha. a little bit more up on the mic and really enunciate well. But you got it. it sounded good last night. It sounded really crisp. Uh, the occult and what we've kind of jokingly referred to tonight before the show as a, a cult plus. Uh, what is the occult and what would you consider to be a cult plus? Got it. Yes. Yeah, so the uh, occult in itself is just hidden information and it is not evil. It is not uh, it's not a dirty word as it has been no, uh, known to be. So occult just means hidden from view. That, that It's really its definition. What it means for me is occult knowledge, hidden knowledge. So yeah, that's going to be your your witchcraft, your magic, and your astrology divination. That's kind of the easy part. The occult plus part for me, though, is just as important is the secret society stuff, is the conspiracy, the, the cryptozoology, the paranormal, the extraterrestrial, the alternative history, the stuff that you don't see every day in life, the stuff that you do have to go out there, do the work, and hunt down. Not evil. No, not demonic, not satanic. We talked last night about how angels are often depicted or little cherubim, little fat babies with wings. They're actually quite terrifying with multiple Correct. faces <laughs> and scales and wings and claws and talons. And it's not really a, a pretty thing to look at. And we apply that understanding of what is a demon? What is an angel? What is a spirit? Looking at the material, looking at the immaterial, looking at the mundane, looking at the divine. And at the core of all this, we concluded the show last night that what magic or what occultism other than just being the hidden and the unknown and trying to figure out exactly how the world works, the laws of nature, the mechanics of the universe, et cetera. That's why geometry is so important, you know, in masonry, et cetera. Uh, God is depicted by William Blake as having the square and compass making the world. Jesus is depicted as uh, having the same square and compass uh, creating the earth. So in, in other paintings. So at the core of all this though, it's like, it's the idea of ego and overcoming the ego. And we ended last night's show by saying that, Real human sacrifice is the sacrificing of the ego self. And also sacrifice in general is not like I want to go sacrifice a chicken. It's not like Santeria. I'm going to sacrifice meat or alcohol like in the mysteries or sex or just social interaction as part of this ritual. Or I'm going to abstain from doing something that I really, really enjoy to try to hone or try to uh, make uh, make myself more humble or make myself more whatever the case, whatever you're working on. But killing a person is not literal. It's killing the ego and sacrifice isn't killing a chicken. It's giving up something that you really like. Could you speak to those as, as part yeah, of a recap? Abso- absolutely. So yeah, e- ego is your greatest weakness. And so when people are out there and they perform a sacrifice, you know, for people or animals, that's nonsense. You don't do that. That is the test to see how, You've actually uh, gone down the path and earned that right to even progress at that point to understand that sacrifice is not the literal killing of uh, of an animal or a human. It is a it is something that is dear to you that you are giving up. Whether it's abstaining from like like we just said from food, from sex, or whatever, um, but that the point is is that you are truly giving up something. The loss is to you, not just in like oh I'm gonna you know, kill the ant, kill a chicken. That's useless. You're just killing a chicken. There's no sacrifice to you. You lost nothing of value to you. 
So that, that, that is part of killing that ego and understanding sacrifice. It is, you go through the process of whether it's magic or witchcraft that incorporates that it, you, you have to earn that right to understand that th- that's not what it is. It, it's not killing or harming any humans or animals. Ridiculous. And we talked about with the grimoires, a lot of grimoires just teach you how to make holy water or how to say a certain kind of a prayer or make your ritual space. They're not telling you to go kill innocent children or something. Right, exactly. So, I mean, the people, and when they hear the term grimoire, most people don't even understand what it means. It's just a, a book of instruction. Um, and so it got this uh, idea that it, it is just a, a big book of summoning demons to do harm. It's absolute nonsense. It's, that's not exactly what it is at all, you know? Although you could make the argument that the Bible maybe fulfills that role more than more than grimoire does because the Bible, or at least the concept of the Bible, has been a say, a precursor to more conflict and death and war and suffering than probably any grimoire has been. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you literally have whole chapters dedicated to the slaughter of a firstborn. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, that's right. That's, that's nightmarish. Right. I mean, I would, please don't do that. You know, that's that's not okay either. That's not even in the Red Dragon, right? right. No, exactly. Exactly. Seriously. Right. I mean, yeah. And so that, that's a really good point. Um, so, yeah, it, it's kind of it's kind of funny when, when people were, are so quick to condemn people that are witches or practicing magicians, that it, it is this nefarious, sacrificing evil thing. Like, eh, if you read your book, I mean, it's it'd be people that are doing that or condemning you. Like, that's y'all's history. I mean, I would never condone harming another human or an animal ever, for regardless of the excuse you're going to use. That's an awful thing. And most Satanists don't believe that anyway. We we discussed this briefly last night, just to, again, part of a recap. Uh, you know, when you, you talk to a Satanist, they're mostly just atheists or something to exactly. that effect. Yeah, and honestly, all the all the Satanists or even Luciferians that I've met have actually been some of the nicest, just really normal people, honestly. I mean, they, 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 they're not out there to, they don't care what you think. Um, they don't care what you do. They do their own thing. Um, and I, I think that's awesome. I think that's great. They're not out there judging people or trying to condemn people or cancel their culture or whatever. Um, you know, they, they just want to be left alone, you know? Now here at Nexus though, you don't want to be left alone. You want people to come <laughs> in here. You want people to grab a book, maybe a, an oddity. So for people that are in the area, people that are coming through the area, where, again, the address, where can they find you, the website, and then what are they going to see when they come in here? You got it. So we are located at 4865 East Speedway Boulevard in Tucson. Our website's nexusoccult.com. Um, I love talking to people. So my in, interacting with our customers is really my favorite thing to do here. Um, like, I love books, but I hate business. Like So like all, all like the back-end stuff that I have to do, like, ugh, it's so boring. I really just want to hear from my customers. It's really great when I have somebody come in who's either brand new to this and they're looking for a kind of a place to start without being judged, or you have somebody who's an intermediate or even expert and they are looking for that really hard to find book. And when you collect for 20 years, I have those books. Um, so that's super fun to find something for somebody that they're looking for like that and to help people along that path where they can come in to Nexus is neutral ground. And I, I can't say that enough. I, I, it does not matter to me how you worship, vote, identify your sexual orientation. Leave all that at the door. That it, it, it bears nothing in here at all. So being able to talk to people and, and help them down a path is one of my favorite things on this job. I'm sure that's really enlightening to learn from other people too, where those people are at on their journey into the occult and 
I wonder if you gain perspectives from people that you don't really think about yourself and someone comes in, some random person, they tell you something you learn probably from the customers too. Oh, all the time, all the time. So, and, and it's really interesting. So well, you have so many people who actually come in that they were brought up in, you know, kind of restrict religious environments and they kind of rebelling against that. And this is their first taste of that rebellion, which is kind of neat um, if they're very new and other people who have been like, like me, just lifelong seekers of the odd and unknown. Um, I've always had this thirst to find out what is being hidden from me. What, what, why can't I talk about aliens? Why can't I talk about Bigfoot? You know, that that's truly like my origin story. I, I saw uh, Ghostbusters and like, yeah, I'll just do that, you know? And then, and like, it's not a thing, but like, that's how I started learning. And then of course we had like the shows like sightings or in search of with Leonard Nimoy. I mean, unsolved mysteries. I couldn't get enough of those, but I can never find books going to a library really outside of like that big stack of black time life books that had all the different, like there was like, there's 33 volumes in the set. I have the whole set now and it just, it covered everything unknown. And that was like just this great gravity for me. It just sucked me in. And I just, I've never been the same since. Who, who was your favorite ghostbuster? Oh, Vic, man, of course. Come on. He was hysterical. I wanted to be that guy. He had the moves. He was funny and he was tough. And yeah, that was my guy. Did you ever do the costumes as Halloween? You know, I did. I, I, <laughs> yeah, so. I had to. <laughs> when, when I look back on whatever it is that I do here, I'm not really sure what it is. I'd love to get your interpretation of so far my show. And also when I first came in here, what did you think? Did you think I was crazy? I want to get that in a, in a second. <laughs> Uh, but I'm also when I, I'm also thinking like when I went back into um, my childhood and just thought like, what did I like as a kid? Like you, you liked the Ghostbusters. I I mean, I had pictures of me when I was my God, I was probably like six years old. I was dressed like the men in black, which was I mean, the movie came out in the late 90s. I'm 30, right. I'm 32. I was like six, seven when that came out. Okay. I was I was I was an MIB. Uh, and then I did uh, I dressed up like an alien one year. So even when I was younger, I was apparently into the men in black. I was into aliens. I remember I got a little, uh, I think it's still in my room back at my mom's house. It's like a little alien doll. If you press it, it says, take me to your leader. <laughs> nice. So I had these kinds of things as a kid. And I didn't, honestly, until recently, I didn't recognize that I was into this kind of thing, even as a child, even though I grew up in a super Baptist home. Right. None of my family was really into this. My, my aunt, my aunt Debbie, I don't know if she still listens, I'm sure on occasion, uh, she would tell me like the moon landing was fake. Nice. <laughs> uh, personally, I'm, I'm, I question that myself today in both directions. I think maybe it was real, but they didn't show us the real pictures, but she would be like the moon landing is not real. My mom would get in an argument with her and be like, don't tell Ryan that that's just <laughs> filling his head with conspiracy theories. Uh, I get my aunt one in the end. Right on. <laughs> Cause this is what I do exactly. for a living. <laughs> but I was into the same kind of a thing when I was a kid. I to look back and kind of psychoanalyze yourself and you realize you've, you've always sort of, you know, you myself, and I'm sure a lot of you listeners out there have been uh, interested in these things your whole life. Didn't even necessarily realize it. And you get older and then you look back and you think, Oh, well, I was a, uh, I was an alien for Halloween one year totally. and, a, and a man in black. And <laughs> it, it, it makes total sense. And I do, I do hear that a lot. And I think one of the, the fun things is when, when people come to, to Nexus, it's, it's rare to see um, so many books on these types of subjects in one place. Cause there are stores in Tucson that sell, they have a occult section. Sure. But they're very small and they're very limited. I mean, the, the reason our collection is so robust is a, I've been a hoarder for 20 years. That's, that's the only way to explain it. I mean, so before we opened, I had 23,000 books. And uh, and like I said, in the store, we have about 10,000 at all times. And I love that when people come in 
and they are just overwhelmed. I mean, we'll have people spend easily three hours in here. It's not a very big store, but there's so much in here and just people just their eyes are like a kid at Christmas morning. They, they, they found this Shangri-La. There was this place where they can go and find what they've been looking for and it not being an issue. It, they not be the weirdos. I don't think that I have a lot of bones to pick with other bookstores. There's some really great bookstores. You know, they sell everything. Uh, the one thing I don't like about some of the other bookstores in Tucson or anywhere I've lived is they always put the hexing the patriarchy and <laughs> learn Crowley's sex magic. They always put that right at the, the right. forefront and you don't do that here. No. So when I came in here for the first time, I probably looked like what you're describing. <laughs> right. and, I, and that's how I really felt like you're, you're, you, you are not paying me to be here. You're not paying me to say this on the show. I came in here because you're friendly and this is a great environment. There's a really great energy in, in Nexus. And I come in here and I just see all these books and I'm thinking, well, okay, that shelf looks like my shelf at home. Like I literally have almost all those books. Right. <laughs> and there's a lot of great stuff in here I don't have. And uh, I guess I've spent some money here, bought yes, some good you books. You've, you've exchanged some books with <laughs> Absolutely. me. Absolutely. Uh, it's just a great environment. And I, I definitely agree with you. That's that's how I saw myself when I came in here is just kind of being enamored and thinking, well, you have like everything here. Right. Everything you need. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's one-stop shopping, you know? Um, and uh, I'm just, I'm grateful uh, uh, that I have this opportunity um, you know, it, it's just, it's truly amazing, man. I mean, it's just, it's, it's unreal at times. I'm having the time of my life. What would you recommend? You recommended the secret teachings of all ages. Uh, not because I told you to, right. that's what the name of the show my is. Favorite my favorite book of all time. My favorite book of all time. <laughs> You've got those really nice hardback <laughs> copies. Uh, if anybody wants to, uh, uh, give me some money to buy one of those, I'd love that. <laughs> right. But anyway, the, uh, I don't, I don't need a copy. I just downsize my books. I don't, I don't need more books at the moment, but I have, um, I have all these great books at home and I would probably always every time pick the secret teachings of all ages. But other than that, what are some other quick recommendations you can you can give listeners? Well, it doesn't matter if it's beginner or advanced. Sure, sure. Um, you know, if we last time we talked, we covered some of the, the witchcraft and, and the ceremonial magic stuff. Um, you know, for me, one of my favorite books is um, it's called The Haunted by Bob Curran. Uh, it talks about the Jack and Janet Smurl this demonic infestation haunting. I read that when I was 12 and it broke my brain. It terrified me so bad that I literally slept with the lights on for years. Um, it was just this horrific story of this family <laughs> that are just terrorized by, by these demons. Um, and uh, I just, it was fascinating, but it became like too real, too quick type of thing. Um, so I, I really enjoyed that book. And I, honestly, demonology is one of my favorite uh, subjects. The Dictionary of Demonology by Michelle Ballinger is also an incredible resource. I like reference guides because I'm very nerdy like that. Me too. Uh, yeah. So it was, it's her, her book is amazing and we, we sell a ton of copies of it here. It's just so fun. Uh, Judica Ill's uh, encyclopedia of fairies. Cause I'm really into mythology and folklore as well. That covers so many great things. Um, I, I love that mythology from all over the world. And it's great to see how a, even from places that have never really had contact throughout history, they have a lot of the same stories, just different names for things, but it's really, they're talking about the same thing. And I find that absolutely fascinating. Very Joseph Campbell-esque. Right. With the comparative religions. And then, of course, if you read Graham Hancock and the concept, the idea, and really a lot of proof and evidence of a, a kind of a lost civilization. For sure. That certainly shares everything from agriculture to architecture and uh, you know, a lot of that was lost. A lot of that was preserved. So, yeah, you have these comparisons between cultures and religions all over the world. And I find that 
that idea of comparison to be one of the most fascinating things, especially like I learned and I have a section in my book, Occult Arcana, about this, which you also have some copies of that yes. you sell here uh, about opening the mouth in Egypt. There was a practice called opening the mouth where they would crack the skull open. I don't know how they did it, but they would crack the skull open of a, of a dead pharaoh or a dead royal family member. And they believed that it would let the the spirit or the soul out. Right. And then in the process of cracking the head, they would actually open the mouth because that's where they believed the soul would escape from. And this is the same. It's literally, it's not kind of like it. It's literally the same funerary practice that in South America was performed by multiple different uh, groups and tribes of, of people. Uh, they actually had a, there's a, there's actually a tool called Peshenkif means open mouth and they would open the mouth of the, the, the king or whoever it was, right. was the royalty priest and then they would crack the skull open. But literally the same, it's one thing to have, you know, an observation of the sun and an observation of like the wind blowing and give different names. It's another thing right. to do the exact same funerary practice Process. exactly across an ocean. It's like impossible. It's like impossible it, does, it doesn't make sense. The, so yeah. there, there had to be something there linking them together. And I love that about Graham's work. His stuff is just brilliant. I mean, I think we've missed a huge chunk of our history and I, I resent the fact that even bringing it up is in mainstream, it just automatically gets relegated to, well, that's just conspiracy theory. Like, really, is it? I find it odd that the people that call things conspiracy theories have done really no research themselves, you know, because it's just too much work and they just don't want to believe. So there's like, ah, it's just another conspiracy theory. Is it? What, what, what did Albert Einstein say about that? He said, condemnation without investigation is the height of ignorance. Correct. And that is precisely what that is. By the way, I actually forgot this and I just looked it up in my, I have a, digital copy of my book I keep on uh, keep on cue for the show and uh, there's a similar practice I forgot about this uh, Anthony Cummins explains this in the dark side of Japan he wrote a book about that and he said when a local person dies in large parts of Japan the village will put money together to call a shaman and have them perform the ritual of opening the mouth of the dead to help the soul on its way so they did this in Japan they did this in Africa and they did this in South America that's way too many connections that are right. identical to be just coincidence. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and there's that same type of thing happening all over throughout history. I mean, with all different types of things. So I love that there's that there's a connection that we just, you know, we, we got to take time to slow down and kind of investigate what's wrong with that. So when I when I've noticed these things, I've rec recognized these things. I've um, I always find this like this joy in myself. And I'm imagining that's the kind of joy you get. That's why you have this occult bookstore. hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. I don't know. Joy is the only word I can really think to describe it or just like an innate happiness or like a giddiness. Like I, I just more and more. Give me more. Absolutely. Wanna, wanna yeah, my it. adrenaline starts going. I get <laughs> yeah. super excited and yeah. I just want to start telling people. It's just I, I finally have a place now where I can tell people and they'll actually listen a little bit. You know, <laughs> <Just> a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> where before it's like, what is he talking about? Just be quiet. You know, yeah. <laughs> So when you have people that, that come in here, like when I first came in here and I'm looking around, did I do pretty much what everybody else does? I just kind of, I was in here for like an hour and a half. Right. No, exactly. And it's, it's a small store too, right? <laughs> right. So it's, it's, I think we're like our, our sales floor is maybe 900 square feet uh, if we're lucky. Um, but yeah, that that's totally normal. And when you get your first time person coming in, especially if they're not just into the cult, but if they're a true book lover on top of it, oh they're just their eyes and their mouth are wide open. And like I said, they, they will literally be here 
two, three hours. Like it's like that, and they just they're having the time of their life. So the opening of the mouth ritual again. Right. It's happening every time you walk into <laughs> Nexus Occult Books. I'm Ryan Gable. This is the Secret Teachings. We'll take a short break. We'll come back. I'm just curious to get your impression. We talked a lot about the bookstore. What is your impression of the secret teachings of this show? Like how we discuss things uh, and just your interpretation of that because you would ask me like what my background is. Yes. And I want to kind of use that to leverage uh, or kind of segue into some of the other occult plus stuff tonight on the show. Andrew Cox is our guest. It is Nexus Occult Bookstore and Oddities 4865 East Speedway Boulevard, Tucson, Arizona. Andrew, thanks so much for joining us again on the show. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we'll be right back with Andrew here on The Secret Teachings. After this, don't go anywhere. This is David John Oates from ReverseSpeech.com. You are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ron Gable. From parahistory and the paranormal to the parapolitical and para-occult, you're listening to The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. This is The Secret Teachings. If you'd like to contact the show, email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com or find him on Facebook at facebook.com slash the secret teachings. You know you can listen to The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday on Ground Zero Radio. I don't need it. Or in the free archive on our website, thesecretteachings.info, or on any radio or podcast player or application. I don't need it. But you can also subscribe to our ad-free archive, now hosted by Aftermath.media. Definitely don't need it. There's the basic and premium option. You get the montages, my digital books, and more. For those of you who already have a Secret Teaching subscription, you can still keep that subscription. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.com. Info or aftermath.media and subscribe today. I need it! If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana? Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir. Or if that's not enough, check out Good Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at www.thesecretteachings.info. That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and even order yours today. It not only supports The Secret Teachings, but most importantly, it supports you. Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Excellent shows with your host, Ryan Gable. I hope you find it enlightening. are listening to the secret teachings radio i'm ryan gable tonight we are broadcasting from nexus occult bookstore in tucson arizona we have the owner andrew cox here with us sure you have some mr crowley somewhere here don't you absolutely you have to have some crowley i was actually just thinking 
someone the other day mentioned to me about uh, about Crowley and how every occultist has a Crowley book, even if they don't like Crowley. And I, <laughs> I was thinking, I, you know what? I might be the only one that doesn't. And really? then I, I was, but I was going through my studio and clearing stuff out. And, and then I came across the book of the law and I, I have a copy with like his notes. It was like scans of his right, handwritten right. notes, the channeling of Avos and all that. Right. And I was like, oh, I, oldie guess goldie. I, I do have a book. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of have to, you kind of need to, you have to have one. I'm not, I'm not really a big fan of Crowley. What about you? So he's okay. That, that's an excellent question because he's an interesting person. Yeah, um, he was a psychopath. Let's let's put that on the table right now. He's <laughs> yes, a complete yes. nutcase. Absolutely. Um, but I'll give him points for challenging God. Um, you know, he he Crawley just was no excuses. No no, I'm sorry. He just he did what he wanted to. Um, and he at a complete reckless disregard um, for what he was doing. Cause it didn't matter. I, yes, he was a genius, but I mean that, yeah, he was a psychopath too. A horrible person. I'll, I'll, I'll go as far as to say that. Absolutely. But his magic, the Lima, there, there was some method to the madness, the chaos of it all uh, did bring forth a, a true system of magic. And sure. He took a little bit from Levi and everybody else. Um, but um the madness of it all, I find fascinating. I would say mad, psychotic, but certainly divulged a lot of things that otherwise some people would not have access to. Absolutely. And I guess we could see that as a positive thing. Some people might see that as negative. I mean, Crowley's one of those figures where uh, no matter if you like Crowley or you don't like Crowley, again, most people, have, if you if you enjoy Crowley or if you, if you just enjoy the occult, you probably got a Crowley book. He's just like this this iconic name. The only thing that bothers me, really, the thing that makes me upset is that I think Manly Hall should be kind of like culturally in the place of Crowley. Without a doubt. I mean, <laughs> exactly. And the thing I, I always tell people when they talk about Crowley here at the store is like, yeah, I get it. But like, I honestly, I hate reading Crowley's work. I really do. Uh, I find it just dry, boring. Uh, it kind of goes all over the place. Um, it, yeah, there is some great knowledge in there when you get to it. But I, I find him at times exhausting to read. Um, where with Manly P. Hall, I'm just like a sponge, man. I I, I just I cannot get enough of this mean. man's brilliance. I mean, absolutely. And I agree with you. Yeah, definitely. If if you're in, getting into the start with Manly P. Hall, please don't start with Crowley. Did you know when I first came in here? Um, this is a personal question. Did you know? Not a rhetorical question. Did you know that? Um, the secret teachings. When I showed you my car, did you know that that would? Did you assume that's what it was based off of? Was Manly Hall's book? No, I had no idea. Honestly, I, did, I didn't even. Okay. I didn't even make that connection. Honestly, <laughs> like it took me a second. No, totally had no idea. That's interesting. A lot of people that uh, don't even necessarily know what the secret teachings are, they do know that. I find that f so ironic because, like, I overlooked. I owned a Crowley book, right? But I'm like a professional occultist, and then you run this <laughs> store, but you didn't put the connection no. together. No. So we're not that smart. No, no, don't, no. At times, I'm just a really good, high functioning idiot. <laughs> yes, <laughs> which yes. I'm okay to admit. But I think that's the the, the most interesting thing, really, about w what you're doing here, though. Um, the importance of it is is what you're doing and what I'm trying to do is, is the same thing. We just have different mediums. So it's that ability to go out there and give people a chance to experience and to hear a different point of view that they're not going to get in the mainstream. They're not going to get in their echo chambers and how important that is. Um, it, that keeps, that keeps us going. That keeps us alive. You know, that, that keeps us from being the, the dumb sheep that um, unfortunately I just see so many of, and I don't mean like to be mean or hurtful to anybody, not like that at all. It's just that we're giving people the opportunity to open their eyes to so much more. The world is not so black and white. 
as it's perceived by so many people. Because when I'm obviously when people ask me like, what do I do for a living? And if they're not anywhere and they have nothing to do with the occult, it's like, Oh, I own an occult bookstore. Immediately negative, you know, crazy. They have no idea. They don't want to talk about the aliens. They don't want to talk about the Bigfoots, anything like that. So that's why what, what we're both doing here is so important. It's, it's, it's a necessity for, for our civilization, I see it as that. And you, I know that, I mean, maybe I, I don't know that, but I assume that from what I've, uh, what I've talked to you about and what I've seen here in the, the radio show we did last night, you're not drawing on the power of infernal forces. You're drawing on the power of, well, I, I guess you could say it in a sense, creation or divinity because it's about learning. It's about experience. And that's not negative. That's not dark. That's not a bad thing. You're drawing, I think, on all the positive elements. But darkness comes with that because you have to have darkness to understand light. And as Manly Hall said about the Manly P. Hall said about uh, Baphomet, a lot of people get scared of Baphomet. Right. But he said Baphomet is one of those symbols. I call it a scarecrow kind of a symbol because totally. it scares away people that aren't ready to understand those deeper meanings. But it attracts people to darkness that will eventually lead them to light. And that's, you know, even though darkness comes with the light, you know, it's a necessary thing. Um, I feel that you you are drawing on those very positive qualities. Am I right in that assessment? That is your intention. A hundred percent. So that, that's exactly what I'm trying to do. And like, look, I love reading the dark stuff. I really do. I, I find it fascinating. Like I love horror movies, but I don't read horror fiction because if you want to get scared, I, there's, there's a whole demonology section here. There's, there's a whole... Um, left-hand path section. That's scary for me. I do. I find it, I find it terrifying. Is it on the left side of the store? When you walk in, uh, is it left? Yeah, actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah it took me a second. I had to like change my, yeah. Uh, that was, uh, that was, I didn't even intend it for me to be that way, but yeah, you're right. Subconscious. Exactly. So I, yeah, but you're right. You, you have to have both, you know, you really do. It's that balance that we're talking, that duality that is so uh, necessary for us. And I find it fascinating. It's almost like know thy enemy too. Correct. Right? Oh yeah. no, absolutely. Yeah. That w- without a doubt. You, and I just, I, I can't get enough of it, man. I mean, I just, I need to know more. And, and it's, there's never a point where I've been like, well, oh, no enough about that moving on. And no, I, that's why I would, I would read five, six, seven books at a time. Um, and I'm so ADHD with it. I just, cause I, I can't have enough information ever. So when you when you said that we I mean, I, I was assuming that we sort of did the same type of a thing. We have different mediums. You have a bookstore. Right. I have a radio show. And this show tonight, like last night, this is about you. This is about your bookstore. But again, we do do something very similar. And in the occult world, it's very small. And so you tend to find a few people here or there in your life that are into those things. And, you know, you make an immediate connection with them because you just get it. And when I came in here and we talked the first time or we had discussions later on, I realized, oh, you get you, you get it. It's not like you're not promoting, Hey, hex the patriarchy right. and here's Crowley. You're promoting just absorb as much as you can and learn from it and experience. It, and it's all very positive. And when I find people like that, uh, I've got a lot of listeners like that. I've got people that are colleagues in radio like that found you here in Tucson like that. Um, it's, it's more than all of, it's more meaningful than all of the, uh, you know, I don't want to say mundane, but all of the just basic interactions you have with people on a daily basis. It's like you find, I guess is what new age people would call your, your soul family, <laughs> right? Right. It's, it's kind of like that, but it's just, it's just very, very, uh, relieving and it's very, very positive. And it's, it all, I'm just saying it directs me in a, in a place that's very, very much full of light. And it's just a, such a positive thing. So we, when talking about the occult and after everything we've discussed tonight already, and uh, last night kind of recap tonight, uh, when I think of something like occultism, I think of all the things we've discussed, but occultism is a lot more than that. And 
which we've already said that, but we're going to go into the, a lot more into the occult plus, if you will. When I first started radio, I had a about a, about a year and a half to two years where I had no guests. I didn't know what I was doing. And I eventually interviewed this woman named Shirley Andrews, who wrote a book about Atlantis. And at the time, I didn't really know a lot about anything. I barely graduated high school. I was going to film school. I was barely passing film school. I did not like reading, but I had to do a show for two hours in the morning. I had to find something to talk about. And I felt I didn't like public speaking, not that radio is the same thing, but I, I had to start consuming so I could not regurgitate, but at least have a story to tell, which is what got me into reading a lot. And then as I learned, I wanted to learn more and more and more. And I, I would talk about, you know, pyramids or in Egypt and around the world, or I would talk about Atlantis. And I started to realize that a lot of these things, you know, we'll call them the occult or call them parahistory or call them just not normal. They all, they sort of come from the same realm. It's something that we as a society, we sort of write off, we sort of push to the side. And it includes everything from Manly P. Hall's The Secret Teachings to cryptozoology books or Atlantis or anything in between. Occultism is really all of that. It's stuff that's been hidden, whether that's intentional or otherwise. And, you know, that's that's one of those things where, you know, you certainly don't think about positive self-development when you think about the occult. A lot of people probably also don't think about things like Atlantis or Bigfoot when they think of the occult. But those are right. certainly they might be think paranormal or parahistory, but that is all occult. No, but, definitely. And I'm, I'm curious just for me, like, was there a point in your career when you were starting out? Was there like that? Oh, dang moment. That was there anything that kind of like what was like the main catalyst that set you off? Like, oh, there, there is a lot more going on to this than, than what I previously understood. Yeah, but it was more so drawn out over probably several years of having those little individual experiences. Little bits and pieces kind of come together. Yes. Right. And, and then eventually when I started talking to other people and I realized other people see the same thing, I'm not completely crazy. And I tried to balance it out and try to be objective about everything I analyze right. and look at political or otherwise especially political because it's just, just such a strong dichotomy there. Uh, yeah, I mean, but but, I, but to answer your question more directly, probably around eight years ago, um, just being able to really solidify, because in 2013, I started this kind of professionally and I realized, okay, there's something, there's something more. I, am, I grew up very isolated and as I got into all these little tiny things, they all kind of clicked together and I, I named the show The Secret Teachings and it was at, like at that point with Manly P. Hall's book, I, I thought... So that that's the moment it clicked. I don't know what the click was, but it was like <laughs> this. This is what I'm supposed to do. I wasn't very good at it, but right. I tried and tried. And then I you know, became uh, who I am today, whatever that is. But you know, to answer your question, that's kind of how it clicked and came together. That's interesting. That's awesome. And I, I love that because that's a that's the same story I've, I've heard from from many people that come here. You know, they, they got these little bits and pieces at a time. And then some people, it's like right away, like they know like, nope, something's off, something's wrong. But other, but a lot of people, it just, it took a little bit of time. It, it did take that research to kind of like start, like a big puzzle. You know, these little pieces start yeah. coming together. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then like the picture's like, wow, the picture is much different than what I thought, I thought it was going to be. And I wonder if a bunch of listeners, I'd love to get your, we don't have calls tonight, but if you want to email us, rdgable at yahoo.com or tstradio at protonmail.com. Tell us your, your experience or your opinions. We, I, I might read them on air next week or something because, you know, you grew up, you like the Ghostbusters and yep. you were really into that. And I grew up, apparently I was, you know, I was big into aliens as a kid. I don't even remember that. <laughs> uh, I dressed up like an alien, men in black and all that. So I was something, you know, as a child, you know, clicked, even though I don't remember what that was, but I was into the same thing as a kid. And then, you know, that proceeded into adulthood as well. Same thing with you. Yep, and absolutely. I'm sure with a lot of 
lot of our listeners. So but, let's or go ahead. Go ahead. I've been a weirdo since day one. <laughs> since day say. one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's I th- maybe it's like, you know, a lot of people, it's like that idea of the God size hole that you have inside of you. And some people fill it with religion. Some people fill it with like rabid politics. Some people yep. fill it with uh, really dark things, really maybe too positive of things, if that can be a thing. Uh, but I feel that occultism, you know, it includes so many things. It's just like the fuel for the soul. Right. That's what it feels like. Absolutely. To me. I agree. That's awesome. It feeds everything. So anyway, I'm Ryan Gable. Andrew Cox is with us this evening on The Secret Teachings. Let's talk about some of the occult plus uh, outside of the occult, although in the occult, as we said, what exactly is, you know, the 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 external of the occult or the outside, you know, the Bigfoot, the Atlantis conspiracies or conspiracies part of the occult? Well, what exactly are we dealing with outside of like the magic and the ceremony? That That's a great question, because uh, the occult gets so pigeonholed into just kind of the main thing of the ceremonial magic, the witchcraft and like some astrology, really. Um, but a, a true occult is, is such a broad uh Subject. I mean, and, and like if you're you're missing so much because all of the things are actually very related. Uh, when you talk about cryptozoology, when you talk about the paranormal, extraterrestrial, alternative history, the secret societies and conspiracy theories, all these things feed into even religion and theology. I mean, we actually uh, we actually have a small religion section, and one of my favorite sections in that is the alternative Christianity section, where um, it, we it talks books that talk about books that were hidden from the Bible or taken out of the Bible or different points of view that, especially growing up Catholic and going to a Catholic school, I mean, oh. You'd never talk like the about the gospel of Mary or the Gnostic <laughs> scriptures or exactly stuff like that. Book of Enoch. Absolutely. I mean, that's one of my favorites, um, you know, talking about the Nephilim, which is one of my favorite subjects. I could talk forever about that. Uh, I just find that fascinating. It, watching those shows, um, like I talked about last time, like on In Search of an Unsolved Mystery, you know, when they talked about Bigfoot, oh my, my world just stopped, the Loch Ness Monster, all these things. Like, I, I couldn't get enough of it. I mean, and it just it almost bothers me that other people aren't so, like, into it. I'm like, but me why too. don't you want yeah. to know? Like, how could you not want to know what's happening? Like, I need to know, you know, with the extra treasure. I, my, my first paranormal experience was when I was six years old, staying at my grandmother's uh, farm, and I was I were at their house, and it was middle of the night. It was probably like I know it was dark, so my grandmother was asleep, my brother was asleep. We were sleeping in, in like the guest bedroom, and I was up, and I was playing. I was kind of going through things like a like normal kid would, like he shouldn't. And I found some pills, and I started opening them up and like pouring out the stuff inside. And then I got this horrible feeling that I was being watched. And I remember turning around and seeing my great grandmother, who I'd actually never met but had seen pictures of, standing in the doorway. She kind of wagged her finger like in a no way, and I wasn't scared. I was more like, oh, I'm in trouble. Like, oh, I'm going to totally get, and I knew it wasn't my grandma. I know what she looks like. And I just, I got back in bed, but that was my first taste of it. That's how some, whatever it was manifested to you as your grandma. Absolutely. Right. And so I was just like, this is, I mean, yeah, it was crazy. Of course, again, keep in mind, you know, two years early, I just saw Ghostbusters. I'm like, oh, I am so (laughs) doing it. This is happening. Like I was Peter Vagman for like five minutes. It was great. So to to go back to answering your question, you asked me how I got into things. I mean, I I had that interview with the lady about Atlantis and I had to really just find whatever to talk about on the show. So I read anything and everything I get my hands on. But as a kid, not only did I have the men in black costume or the alien costume, I normally don't talk about this. I've mentioned it once or twice, but I was at my great grandma's house in West Virginia, a little town called Teralta. Some of you might know Teralta, maybe not. 
and we were uh, we were there with my grandma. So my, you know, my great grandma's, you know, her daughter, my grandma and uh, some other family members. And we were I was staying with my sister in my grandma's room, her old room. And she was a kid. And I remember laying there one night. I did not watch scary movies, Andrew. I did not. I wasn't allowed to watch scary movies. Right. So I didn't have any context for any of this. And I remember just in the corner seeing this figure, uh, tall, uh, say pretty skinny, very, very tall, kind of a top hat. Uh, looks like a man in black type of a suit, but faceless. Oh. I had This was way before Slender Man. I had no context of the hat man or the smiling man. I couldn't didn't watch anything like that. I right. was a very Christian household. And I see this thing, and I remember I go downstairs uh, the next morning. I was terrified, and my sister was in the room, and I don't, I don't think she saw anything. And I went downstairs the next morning, and I remember telling my mom what I saw, and my mom was like, shh, don't talk about that. And my grandma said, well, what was it? And I started to say it and explain it. My grandma said, well, hold, hold on. Did it look like this? And she explained it exactly how what I had seen. She said, I used to see the same thing because that was I didn't even realize it at the time. She's like, that was my room. I saw the same thing when I was a kid. That's amazing. So, so to have that confirmation right. from your grandma and also, you know, you're in the same place. You don't I've never I had not talked to my grandma about this and to have that confirmation and to have other experiences like that as a kid. I mean, maybe that's what also probably drew me and probably what draws a lot of you to these things. You've had these experiences like you just described, Andrew, like I just described that pull you in and show you that there's a lot more than just the physical mundane world. Exactly. And I, th- I find that brilliant. I, I really do. And I think other people have had those experiences, but unfortunately have been so conditioned to just write it off as I didn't see that it didn't happen or just don't talk about it. and It'll go away. Well, what's a great example of that is uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers, you know, the quarterback. Yes. For the Green Bay Packers. I, he might retire. He might go to Tampa. I kind of like Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers has not been quiet about his experiences with that. Mm-hmm. And it makes him look crazy. Right. Because you have this really <laughs> professional, uh, one of the probably the best quarterbacks of all time, according to football people. And he says he goes to do an ayahuasca, ayahuasca ceremony. Yeah. Right. And then he says the hat man is following him now. I don't know if he did ayahuasca or what he did, or maybe it was tainted. I've never heard of the hat man following you right. from an ayahuasca ceremony. <laughs> maybe he did something else. Maybe it was tainted. Maybe it was bad, rancid. I, but the point is, like, he's been open about that. And look at the way that he's condemned and mocked and laughed at, even as Aaron Rodgers. It's just like even Tom Brady. Look at who Tom Brady is. But Tom Brady says, hey, you should, probably shouldn't feed your kids cereal and, and soda all the time. Feed them some vegetables. Right. And he gets ruthlessly mocked by Coca-Cola. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so even someone in that position right. gets treated that way. That's why, of course, the average person, even if it's just subconscious, doesn't want to talk about it because you're just going to get ostracized. No, absolutely. And I, th- I think, too, one of the biggest things that I hear from our customers is that there is this longing for a sense of community that they really want to meet other people like themselves. And I think some of us, especially in the cult, can be a bit socially awkward at times um, and maybe not the best at just starting a conversation with somebody you met. I don't have no problem talking. In fact, getting me to shut up is the trick. Um, so like, I'm really hoping like when we can expand, my whole idea is to have community events where, where people just can come together and share their experience and be a part of their people because they, they, they have been ostracized. It has been this closet thing like, oh, I'm secretly a witch for all these years. Or, yeah, I've had an abduction experience. Yes, I've I've seen Bigfoot. And here it's it's not out of the normal. It's, in fact, for here, it's very normal. Um, 
and they, they want to meet and talk with other people and, and not it be a joke, be a punchline for somebody else. You know, and I, I, that's what I'm really trying to do. And I see that that's kind of what's going on here with you as well. I mean, we, we do, you're reaching your community in a different way than I am, but we're still doing the same thing. And that's so important. And I wish, I just wish I could do it faster and bigger. It's like coming out of the occult closet. Right. <laughs> going to start a support group. Yes. Yes. OCCULT rights. <laughs> I got to write that down. OCCULT plus. There you go. <laughs> I see a t-shirt in my new Yeah, future. absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so Andrew Cox is our guest this evening. As I said, this is uh, we're broadcasting from Nexus Occult Books in Tucson and uh, people people in the city or wherever you're at, you want to come to Tucson, or if you are coming to the area, you should definitely stop by, uh, check it out, buy a book or not buy a book, at least come say hi to Andrew. I'm sure I'm sure you'd love to talk to oh, some people absolutely. that heard the show, yeah. especially. Definitely, yeah. I mean, don't feel like you come in, you have to buy some. I don't care. I mean, like I said, uh, I think on our last show, that uh, look, if I had the money, I would much rather turn this place into a library and research center where we could all just come and just kind of nerd out, uh, which would be amazing. But yeah, come say hi. Talk to me. I love talking to people. I mean, it, look, look, even if we disagree on something, even better. I mean, please. I mean, if you can talk to me like a mature adult and have a, a great debate and discussion, I am all for I will literally talk to anybody. So, like, I think it's great. So other than the occult and the occult plus, like generally speaking, let's get really specific now. And then in the next hour, we'll get even more specific. Let's talk about outside of occultism and magic and ceremony. Well, I'm just curious. What is your favorite subject if you had to pick one? Dude, that is a tough one, man. Um, I'm a real big nerd for cryptozoology. I I love that idea of, of these hidden creatures. And not so much in the sense that just like, Oh, like science hasn't found them yet. That type of thing. No, I'm talking like, like for me, like Bigfoot, that's, that's a big one. It's a real popular one. A lot of people have different opinions. Mine might be like completely nonsense to most people. I like, so like the prevailing uh, thought is that it's Gigantopithecus, which was an orangutan type uh, ape found in China. Um, I don't agree with that at all, actually. And um, I'm totally okay with saying that. So for me, because there had been no, uh, they haven't found any fossils or bones throughout the land bridge. That would be Alaska or Canada that were came down to. Um, I, I For me, I think it's some type of interdimensional type thing uh, because we found people are experiencing it all over the United States. Well, not all over the States. I'd say like more in the forest areas, United States, but in other parts of the world, they have their version of it. Like as the well. Yeti. Exactly. Like the Yeti, Sasquatch in skunk, even, skunk, ape skunk in Florida. Ape, exactly. And, um, swamp ape down in Louisiana. Um, and there, there's the Tennessee grass, man. See these types of things. So it's like the same creature, a little bit difference in opinion, different names, cause different environments. But I mean, for me, I, I have this idea that it's some type of, I would say like almost in the family of like the fae, like almost these fairy type things that can kind of phase in and out of of our field of, of vision and experience, basically, which I, probably sounds off the wall to a lot of people. I don't care. Um, that's just what I think. <laughs> well, you know, being able to just uh, to express what you think, that's kind of the whole point of Nexus or Absolutely. that's what the secret teachings is all about. Just Let's have a conversation. Right. We're probably at some point going to disagree and the more disagreement, uh, the better, because right. we can probably understand each other better. Absolutely. And I, I love to hear other people's opinions, because like I said, I'm always wrong about stuff. It's, it's just a normal state I, of my being. <laughs> I'm not. And the thing is, I'm not uh, of all the things I talk about on this show. I'm the Bigfoot's probably on the lower tier. Gotcha. I'm not a huge Bigfoot guy. Right. 
but that doesn't mean I'm not interested in it. I sure. took time to go to the uh, Skunk Ape Research Center the last time I went oh, to really? the Everglades. Yeah. How was that? It was really small. It was like as big as your tarot room. Really, really small. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> but it was still fun. It was still We're really fun. We're in a closet right now, folks. But basically, <laughs> yeah. it's like Harry Potter. Right. <laughs> but it was still really fun to go down there and see the like the little newspaper clippings or little, you know, I, I got like a sticker or something. They had a, a big Skunk Ape statue, big nice. metal statue. It's just fun. Yeah. Even though that's like my least... Not, not that I don't like it. It's just like my least favorite thing, but it's still, you know, it's, I, I like it more than, you know, w- I don't know, watching a TV show or something right. like just something kind of mundane. I still like Bigfoot, but the point is whether it's Bigfoot or if it's UFOs or whatever, having an open mind helps us to understand these things. Cause if you don't have an open mind, then every UFO is alien or Correct. every UFO is, uh, well that's swamp gas or that's space debris. <laughs> right, right. And you know what? 90% of the time it probably is sure. something like that. But that's the unexplained that is fascinating. At 10%, I need to know what's happening immediately. I mean, so for me, like that that was my thing. Like, what what would you say? Like, outside, if we take out the the the, the witchcraft magic and astrology, like what what would be something for you that really is interesting to you? Oh, just generally speaking, symbolism. Not just really. how okay. symb- how what symbols mean. I mean, like just looking at your tapestry here, the the tree of life, the as above, so below, the way that the roots kind of look like lightning bolts coming from the heavens, you know, the phases of the moon, the moon, the great reflector in the sky. It's actually Jehovah, the moon god. Reflecting the light of Venus, the morning star, the first star, the false light to Earth, which is God casting Lucifer to Earth. Those kinds of things blow my mind. That's awesome. Totally fascinate me to the <laughs> point of just like I want to explode with excitement. Really? So I I noticed I, I was reading an article just recently about Dan Brown. So what did you think about like when the first uh, Dan Brown, uh, the Da Vinci Code came out? Because I know that was like steeped in symbolism. Obviously. Oh, I was not allowed to read it. No, <laughs> really? really? Baptist home, Christian home. No, <laughs> no. So when you were able to like either see the movie or read it, I mean, did, did you ever experience it? Because that was a first for a lot of people, because I mean, that was I mean, you were talking about you know, this hidden lineage of Jesus and that the Merovingians and all this stuff like that. Oh, yeah. And that's Holy Blood, Holy Grail. Right. right? right. That's the book. Uh, that's a great book. I mean, at the time I wasn't allowed to read it. I eventually did read it. I got a copy and read it. And as a fic, I don't really read a lot of fiction, but that was one of the first fiction books I ever read. And uh, I enjoyed it from the point of view of like, I f- as I got older, I felt like Robert, is it Robert Langdon? Yeah. Is his name? Yeah. I felt like Robert Langdon. I wanted to be the symbologist from the major <laughs> university that gets asked to go investigate. Go to the yes. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's essentially who I am. We're going to talk more about this when we come back from break. This is a great conversation. I think the, uh, the specifics of the conversation are getting, um, more specific to us as individuals. We're having a more flow, uh, not flowing more of a, it's a, the conversation is flowing more so than just like having questions and learning about, you know, what your bookstore is more natural. We're, we're really getting into it now. Yes. It's becoming more natural. That's why we need four hours. You got it. That's the whole reason, the whole point we need four hours. So really quick, Andrew, the bookstore, where they can find it, the website, et cetera. You guys, so Nexus occult books and oddities were located at 4865 East Speedway Boulevard in good old Tucson, Arizona. Our website's nexusoccult.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram as well. Excellent. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Again, Andrew Cox is with us. TheSecretTeachings.info is the website. rdgable at yahoo.com is the email. Check us out. Grab a book. Subscribe on Aftermath.media. And we'll be back. You're listening to The Secret Teachings. For more information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit TheSecretTeachings.info or email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com. If you're looking to learn more in 2023, then look no further than books from The Secret Teachings. 
The Technological Elixir explores UFOs, artificial intelligence, and demonic contracts in the entertainment industry. Liberty Shrugged is an illuminating and nonpartisan look into American history, focusing on natural law, slavery, and the war for independence. Food philosophy is not a diet book, but it does help alleviate confusion over food industry propaganda with specific focus on bizarre ingredients that are put into your foods. And Occult Arcana is a compendium of esoteric wisdom, from theology and sympathetic magic to witchcraft, voodoo, and the origins of holidays. Get physical and digital copies of these books only at www.thesecretteachings.info. And remember, all physical books also come with a digital copy as well. This is one of the best discussions I've been on in a long time. You guys are right on it. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. This is David Icke, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. President Business is going to end the world? But he's such a good guy. And Octan, they make good stuff. Music, dairy products, coffee, TV shows, surveillance systems, all history books, voting machines. Wait a minute. Welcome to the darkness. The Secret Teachings radio show is on Facebook and Twitter. Just search facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings to like us and TST underscore underscore radio to tweet with us. And call up to the follow back to me. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of the secret teachings on Ground Zero Radio. listening to the secret teachings radio i'm ryan gable your host i've got andrew cox with me from nexus occult bookstore and oddities we're not playing around with magic that's black here And ain't that the truth, Andrew? Right, but I mean, if you ever wanted to jump into it, I could just go grab a couple books off the shelf and we could see what happens and make it real weird. We could try it right here, right now, on air. We could possibly go wrong with doing that. <laughs> I like this song a lot because that, that line there, as opposed to the image that the band Ghost has, or a lot of occultists have, uh, all the most powerful, magical, black mysteries and things that people dive into, it doesn't give you anything back. There might be actually a negative... Uh, and harmful repercussion for your actions if you do something really, really, really dark. Oh, absolutely. And in fact, uh, I mean, you can read about that. I mean, that's happened for even people coming in talking about their own personal experiences when they've uh, attempted certain rituals. Um, they, they've had a very negative experience. So that's why I always say, you know, that this isn't uh, something to mess around with. You, you really must put in the work and understand, uh, you know, the, the saying goes a year and a day research a year and a day before you actually launch into something like this. You, you, you are dealing with some very strong forces. It's, it's not to be played around with. It's not a toy. It's like a gun. Right. Or anything else. Exactly. I will say that, let's say you have a Ouija board and you, I don't say play with it. I say use it. Right. And uh, when you, like, for example, when I've used a Ouija board, you always set the stage, you set the mood. You don't have to do candles, but you set the stage, you set the mood. You sort of tend to envision a kind of cliche, but a, you know, a, a ball of 
glowing white light or something around you as a protective thing. You could do a magic circle if you want, call in the elements, whatever it is that you choose to do for protection. But you you set the stage with positive intention and with a positive, clean, purified environment because you're not trying to invite you know dark things right. in. But with a Ouija board, it's just wood it's or cardboard and paper, and it's you know, yeah. maybe some glue and some ink. That's all a Bible is. Exactly. Yeah, there, there's no there's no special ingredients put into it to, that makes it magical. There is no fairy dust um, that, that is keeping this thing together. That says a lot about your intention. And you're right, though. It's not a toy, even though it, it was sold at Toys R Us. Yeah, you know, it was crazy, you know, but um, it's definitely not a toy. But I think that's when when people will grab a Ouija board. So we, we sell Ouija boards here. I mean, th- there is no it's just like, oh, yeah, I've seen it in a movie. I know how to do it. I just go. They just throw it on the floor. They sit down, legs crossed, and they're friends on the other side. And they just start asking questions, you know, w- without really truly understanding uh, what they're getting themselves into. It's an oracle. And how, how, and also, how do you know, like if you were to go pray? Uh, you know, you have an idea of you're pl- praying to Jesus Christ right. or maybe Muhammad or Allah. But depending on what your depiction is that, you know, you you see in church or in a book or if, if you have God portrayed in any way. I mean, Jesus is certainly portrayed. Muslims don't like when Muhammad's portrayed. Right. Uh, or or <laughs> Allah. But, you know, I, the concept is you don't want to. The reason Muslims think that is because you can't really reduce God to an image. Right. Right. So it's, exactly. It's a, it's a concept that's universal. It's omnipresent, omnipotent, et cetera. But, but the point that what I'm trying to get at the point here is when you pray, depending on what your view is of what you're praying to, you really don't know where your prayer is going. I mean, you're praying to an idea, but if you just get sit down and be like, all right, God, please help me get this job and please help me get this date. And like, I don't think that's the right way to pray. And that, not at all. that's just as dangerous as playing with a Ouija board. Exactly. Because prayer is not wishes. You know, it's, it's, and I think people kind of miss that. It's not about like, if your only interaction or even like the majority of your interaction with the the spirit world is you just asking for something, you're doing it wrong. You've missed the point completely. So then you get my point. Like if you have a Bible and prayer, very religious, very Christian, very godly, but it's no different than a Ouija board and, you know, maybe saying prayers to spirits or communicating right. with loved ones or whatever the case. It's the same exact thing. Correct. It, it absolutely is. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, all, it says a lot to intention, you know, um, and people miss that a lot. You know, it, it's it, this blind idea of just like the idea because you're, you're right it's an idea. You don't know exactly what you're doing, but prayer in itself, uh, communication is not about material gain. It should never be about that. It, it could be understanding, help, having, asking for help, understanding a, a hard situation or to deal with something, or even just to have a connection saying, hey, I'm here for me. I, I feel you as this is whoever you are, God, all it doesn't matter to me. Um, but that's that's who you're reaching out to. And you're really speaking to your internal self. Right. Most of the time. Exactly. No, no, that's totally how it is because you're basically, you're, you're saying the words, whether you're out loud or it's just in your head, you're internalizing that. That's that subconscious, whether it's a problem or just, even if you're just out there trying to make some type of energy connection with something other than your physical self. Something else that drove me to where I am today, Andrew, is I remember doing apple bobbing uh, for like Halloween events right. at the Baptist church that I went to school at. And I remember I had learned what apple bobbing was. It was a method of divination in the old days. You know that, <laughs> right? right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. And I learned that. I thought, but they don't like that right. stuff. They think that's pagan. Why are they doing that? Exactly. Nobody wanted to hear. I mean, I didn't know much about it, but I remember asking. And they're like, well, no, it's just a fun Christian thing. I was like, well, it's not no, necessarily Christian. It's not where but, that started from. 
So, that, I mean, that also drove me to really try to figure out why we do the things we do. And right. And I love that. I absolutely just think that's great because there was a, there was a really fun book about um, uh, pagan holidays and how uh, Christianity has, has co-opted them and changed things, you know, to, to make it fall within uh, the, the the dogma of Catholicism or Christianity as a whole, whatever. But these are pagan sources. You know, we, you talk about Constantine converting pagans throughout Europe and adopting their practices to help with that whole conversion thing. You know, yep. And even things that aren't really holidays like Christmas or Halloween, like Valentine's Day, it's an old Roman fertility and right. cl- and purifying cleansing festival. And even the idea of they use blood of like a dog or a go- uh, well, usually it was like goat hide or something. Right. Dog blood, wolf blood. Because they believe the wolf and the dog to be able to procreate easily and they believe that would bring fertility to the women and fertility to the fields. Even when they used the blood, it wasn't like bathing in blood and, right. you know, they killed a chicken and drank its blood right there on the spot. <laughs> there was it, it's sympathetic magic. It's understanding there's life force in this. Exactly. And we want the fertility aspect of this animal and we want and they would say a prayer and then they didn't just cut a bunch of dogs, you know, apart. Right. But they would say a prayer. They would maybe they even they killed it very quickly so it didn't suffer. suffer. Right. right. And then they use the blood as part of the ritual. I'm not saying that's what you should do, no. but. Even things that seem barbaric in the past, they had a they had a really good reason for doing them based on how they viewed the world. Right. Yeah. It wasn't just some like nefarious, evil, scary practice at all. That's just what it got turned into. You know, but that comes back to control, doesn't it? <laughs> it, do, it does. And, and that leads us to, you know, some other things outside the occult, like UFOs, for example. Back in the 40s, it, you know, a lot of people didn't really see UFOs like we see them today. People right. saw like pilots during World War Two. They saw Foo Fighters, right. little gold orbs. They saw gold, yellow, white orbs. They saw cylindrical shaped, cigar shaped craft. Uh, on occasion, somebody saw a disc or something. Like in 1942 in Schweinfurt, Germany, there was a report about discs that a plane had flown through and they didn't make do any damage to the plane. These were kind of like etheric flying saucers. Right. But then after Kenneth Arnold saw his saucers or what he's described as discs or saucers skipping on water, the media said flying saucer. And then Everybody, yeah. everybody saw that. And that's what started to manifest. That's what everybody saw. Right. Oh, yeah. No, and a great example of, of that type of like kind of the the, the society leeching onto something was the world world war war of the world. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That was like a, a nightmare for people. I mean, people were like there were people killing themselves because they were terrified and then they wanted to like go burn down the radio state. I mean, that that hysteria is a real thing. But I also think UFOs and extraterrestrials are a real thing, too, you know? Yeah, and, and and my question is always, how how does somebody define that? Because, like, for a lot of people, a UFO is only unidentifiable until they can identify it as a plane or as a military right. experiment. And then they don't want anything outside of those explanations. Other people, it's if it's not aliens, then I don't care if what else it is. Right, and exactly. There's, there's middle ground there. Yeah, but that comes back to our du- duality. You know, it, it just, it, it can't always be one way or the other. You, you have to be open to the experience of hearing both sides. doesn't mean you have to like it or accept it, but, you know, be open to that experience. I mean, like the Betty uh, and Barney Hill, that was one of my favorite stories of, of an abduction. Um, and it, it, the fact that she was able to point out where stars were before they were like uh, actually officially discovered, you know, 
know, same just, thing with the Dogon tribe in Mali. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's another great one. So, I mean, like it's a real phenomenon. It's a real thing. And I think for me personally, it's so silly to, like, to think that it's just us. How, how boring anyways. I mean, it's fun. I go been to so many UFO conferences. I went to the Roswell 75th anniversary. It's fun to put on the alien, you know, <laughs> alien glasses or people dress up and do all I mean, it's fun, right? But ultimately, I'm not interested necessarily. Personally, is my personal opinion in the cultural aspect of it per se. I'm interested in the tiny percentage that from in the 40s when the government finally acknowledged it through Kenneth Arnold's story and Project Blue Book into mm-hmm. the 60s to recent things that have happened since the ATIP program, which is just the tip of a tip of the iceberg. I call it, uh, and I think that's almost psyopy in and of itself. Of course, the the whole period of the 20th into the 21st century. Uh, everything that we've learned or everything that we've heard from government or official sources, even corporations, defense contractors, et cetera, all these things, everything that we've heard is, is still along the lines of a very standard, well, we can like blue book, we can explain 90% of them, but we can't explain the 10%. So let's just focus on the 90%. Right. But it's like, we should be focused on the 10% we can't explain. Exactly. Because that's where the mystery is. That's what dri- the mystery is what drives me. Absolutely. Yeah, and I I think there's been just overwhelming evidence that there is something else going on other than light phenomenon, misidentification of some type of craft. I mean, we're we're, we're so advanced, um, especially militarily, that you can't tell me that when uh, like a, a United States naval craft, you know, with all this protection can't identify a target. That's an issue. I mean, that, that's a huge issue. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't believe that it's just like, oh, we don't know what they are. We'll look into it and get back to you sometime down the road. There's so much more going on to it. History has shown us that cultures throughout history ha- have had some type of experience with, with whether it's something coming down from the sky, gods or whatever beings uh, up until now that it, it is an ongoing phenomenon. There is something real behind it. And I, I obviously think that the government knows a heck of a lot more than they're telling us. And I think, too, I, I, I'll give people more credit. I think a lot of people, too, now are starting to kind of come to grips with the fact that, yeah, there could be something else out there. Now, what does that mean for the rest of the world? I mean, you could go into like, oh, they're obviously not using fossil fuels. So that's an issue. If they have some technology where we no longer need oil and gas with so many countries being like dependent on oil for their global economy, you know, so you could throw all that into it too. But yeah, I mean, it's insane. That's the thing that fascinates me about the subject of ufology is that there are so many angles, so many interpretations and getting stuck on the idea of them being nuts and bolts craft right. know, that, that run on some kind of like Tesla-like energy. <laughs> that's just something that we perceive because we know who Nikola Tesla is if we've studied him or read about him or watched a documentary. I, uh, the best example is, I've been, I love ancient aliens. Like I've met most of the people on right. there. I'm friends with a few people. A lot of people have been on this show. Never had Giorgio on though. <laughs> uh, Giorgio's funny. I went, I went to get a promo from him and I just like sat my bag down. He just like, he starts autograph and I was like, I wasn't asking for an autograph, (laughs) (laughs) but Giorgio's a very fun guy. He's a cool guy. Nice. Uh, But, uh, but ancient aliens is one of those shows where they, they jumped to way too many conclusions for me. I know it's entertainment. I agree. But when you have like, sure, it's weird when you have a statue from the middle East somewhere in Turkey or wherever, and it has what looks like a space suit on it. Right. But aliens for thousands of years haven't been coming to planet earth dressed in apollo 11 suits right. that doesn't that's just how we perceive it because we know astronauts wore those suits exactly that's how we see it yeah we we, we think that because we need it to, to they exi- need exactly it. they would need it or because if we were going to make a craft this is how we would do it it would have to have the propulsion to make it go up 
and then sideways, you know, and then speed up and then slow down. Uh, I think you're, you're, you're talking about in a lot of cases, uh, I think we can't even really conceive of really what's happening here. Uh, the, the idea of being able to, to punch a hole through time and space to travel these great distances, or, or maybe some of them are interdimensional. I don't, I don't know, you know, um, but I, it's fascinating and I need to know. And that's actually a really good book called Need to Know by Timothy Good. Right. If you Timothy read, Good. Yeah, he's amazing. He's a, he's a great author and he puts all the documents in the book. Yeah. And you read, so you read Timothy Good. So you've got some Timothy oh, Good, yes. I imagine. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Do you read Timothy Good's books and you like, like, for example, I read uh, Need to Know relatively recently. And as I read it, I thought, okay, hold on a second. I do this professionally. So I have a, probably a more open and informed perspective than the average person on the subject of UFOs. But the average person is being told about the ATIP program. They're being told about, you know, the USS Nimitz mm-hmm. and a few naval craft that interf- had interference with these unidentified flying objects. And I thought Timothy Good for decades had put the documents from the government into his books and you can see them. Right. And they're on every Barnes and Noble bookstore sh- shelf. But when the federal government finally says, oh, we yeah, we did some UFO investigation. Suddenly everybody's concerned. Oh, there was a there was an interaction between a naval plane and a UFO. It's like Timothy Good has all these documents from from like 50 years ago that showed the decades, the military and the government has not just observed it. They've interacted with these things. They've been engaged, engaged in combat with these things. Absolutely, And that's not the military doesn't usually make mistakes if they can't identify it and they think that it's very advanced. They don't know if it's another country or what it is. It's not just swamp gas and it's not just a balloon. It's a threat. Exactly. Yeah. And that's their job. Protect the country at all costs. So if you have some, even if you went on the idea that, okay, it's China or Russia, they have this crazy advanced craft. It's not like, oh no, we're the government. We can't figure that out. No. Are you kidding me? I mean, that's, that's an obvious threat to the country. They're going to figure out something. So I don't buy that nonsense for a a minute. It just drives me nuts. Yeah. You would figure it out. I mean, there was an arms race. Uh, the Cold War, right? We ju- we didn't say, oh well, they have one, so uh, we lose. Right? We, we got on it and 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 made more. Exactly. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whether you agree with nuclear proliferation right. or not, we made you know, bigger, better ones. We acted. <laughs> right. We acted as a country. Uh, same thing with the Manhattan Project. A lot of people don't know this, but Hitler was working on a bomb right. called the disintegration bomb. Uh, pilots from Germany and pi- there was an Italian, I think, was brought in to observe a detonation of it. This is in the U.S. National Archives, actually. Uh, it's actually in my book, The Technological Elixir. I have a section on it. The National Archives show that the Germans detonated atomic weapons uh, and pilots observed mushroom clouds, even pilots that weren't taken to the demonstration. There right. were massive flashes of lights, uh, kind of like an EMP instruments in the plane would malfunction. There's different cases of this, of course. They would see a mushroom cloud. Maybe they didn't perfect it, but the Germans were working on that. They were there. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah exactly. They, they had reached that point in the, in the technology yes. race, you know? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And then R- Russian spying, putting spies in the Manhattan Project and things like that. And Stalin wasn't even really like impressed when he knew that we had a nuclear weapon because he had his own. He had yeah, his own. Exactly. They and, were working on their own. Or they were working on things like the atomic bomb. There's a point to all this, too, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. The, <laughs> the, the atomic bomb that Hitler was working on or, you know, his his people, he might not have even been aware of it. Uh, that was considered lower priority than things that you might read about in Jim Mars or Joseph Farrell. Where and I have a lot of Jim Mars books here, yes. <laughs> where they're talking about you know like Deglock of the Bell Project right. or interdimensional things and channeling the Vril, like they were into some. It was mostly Heinrich Himmler, correct? Into some very I don't want to say dark, but very paranormal things. It was more than the mundaneness. Not that a nuclear bomb is mundane, right? But 
but there was a, a true occult aspect to what they were doing. Uh, the Order of the Black Sun. I mean, the Thule Society or Thule Society, however you want to pronounce it, whatever. You know, yeah, there was a very occult aspect to especially Himmler's work. I mean, it wasn't just like, let's get some cool technology and beat everybody in a war. That was only a part of it. But there was there was a true occult agenda driving Himmler and and the, the Nazi war party. Absolutely. Yes. yes, and that's the same sort of agenda that drives a lot of the world today. Absolutely. As we discussed with Washington, D.C. last night, it's not the same kind of dark occult. It's more of a drawing on the divinity of God and, and the creator, right. if you will. But the reason I bring that up is because when, you know, it's in our national archives, when our people, when our government in the U.S. knew that the Germans had that bomb or had that technology, uh, even the Washington Post, uh, and I'm sorry, Andrew, I'm just, I'm all over the place. Give it to me. <laughs> the Washington Post had a story published in the late, uh, it was mid 40s, right before the end of the war, early 40s rather. And they had, the Germans had these huge planes, Ju-390, Junker 390s, massive planes. And they flew them, literally, they flew them from western France all the way to within 12 miles of New York City. Turned, They took pictures, turned around, and flew back. That's official history. I had no idea. They were preparing to load that bomb on one of the Ju-390s and detonate. They did a proximity study, actually, over Manhattan, a 17-kiloton nuclear weapon detonating Hundred couple hundred feet above Manhattan, and what would the fallout would be to just and then they would do that and obliterate the entire East Coast of the United States. Wow. That was a plan. That we're talking hours. They were ready to launch this within more like a couple of days, but hours in terms of the, the scope of the war, right? To launching this attack on the United States. Now we don't want to think about that or talk about that because that's we're too close to losing, too close to destruction. Right. But we we worked on the Manhattan Project. We got a bomb and then we detonated it in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Right. So back to your point about UFOs, <laughs> which are also interested a lot in nuclear weapons. Correct. We usually figure things out right. and we don't usually from the 40s. They're telling us, well, these things are out maneuvering our planes. And then in 2021, 2022, 2023, they're still out maneuvering our planes. So they're not foreign adversaries. No, it's something either interdimensional or something from somewhere else. It's super sophisticated beyond anything we can imagine. Right. We would have figured it out by now. Exactly. Especially if it was human. A hundred, 110% agree. I mean, yeah, it's, it's been 60, 70 years that this has been going on, especially from a military documented uh, perspective. So yeah, don't give me that. I mean, come on. It's just like enough already. Please stop. <laughs> and I, I don't mean to just rant about it, but I, we, we, I want to go around full circle and look at all these different aspects because it's important to understand the scope of the whole right. thing rather than just do you believe in ufos okay you know that's that's boring to me yeah, right exactly because i think people also too are, are missing the point because if the government has known about this for so long and has been hiding this for so long and then lying about it for so long uh, then the issue is is well what else i mean are, are, are you not telling us what else are we missing what i mean we've been p pouring billions and billions of dollars into all these different programs especially for like nasa's and stuff well if y'all already have some technology that you shot down stolen perfected what is happening like what's going on and how can you this is another question i have for ufologists is how can you and it's rhetorical i'm not directing it to anybody but how can you trust the government that you believe has lied to you for 70 something years to then suddenly tell you the truth because it confirms your bias and it 
plays into your echo chamber. Exactly. Yeah. That's a big problem, isn't it? Yes. And that's where the, that's where you like the psyops. That's where the psyop comes in. I it's, think it, it, don't, don't, please don't get me started on psyops. We'll be here for 14 hours. Uh, cause well, that's, I'm talking a lot. So you, you, you get us, get us into it. <laughs> so the, the psyops campaign that is, that is just, they're, they're doing such an amazing job of it. They, they really are. Um, the, the way we have been pre uh, the, the way we've been conditioned to one form these, these, horrible tribal identities where it's either it's my side versus your side. And we we're no longer Americans anymore. It's just, we're either left or right Americans. Now uh, that's a huge problem. And um, when, when people are celebrating, like if, if I think the right is so, not some people, I don't say all, but like some people on the right, were celebrating California is getting diluted and all this snow and all this damage. And then people on the left were like, Oh, when the thing in East Palestine train collapsed, they were ha- ha- laughing because the, Oh, they voted for Trump there. You're missing the point. You guys, we're all Americans. We're all on the same team. Knock it off. I mean, but this is this is the psyops. You 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 divide the people so you can conquer them, and then you allow like the news, the mainstream media, and the intelligence, uh, and the our FBI and CIA that sit there and kind of pick and choose what we're allowed to say and what you're allowed to cancel and what is okay to hate. Uh, none of this is okay. And I, I think people need to wake up and see the forest, of their trees. It's not left versus right. It's honestly us versus them. And in what context though, would you say it's us versus them? Cause that creates this, this other dichotomy. Right. Otherwise. Yeah, I, I'm not an anarchist by, by any sense of the uh, imagination. So, so definitely not, I'm not saying, you know, get rid of the government, anything like that. What I'm saying is, is that for too long, there has been this cabal that, control us far too much. I mean, they get all of our tax money. They send it God knows where, and we're not getting a lot in return other than a lot of hate uh, and division for each other. And for me, I have a I, I look, I love my country words and all. I, I mean, I really do. I don't, I don't care what color anybody is. I don't care who you sleep with. I, I, none of that matters to me at all. I mean, I, I'm okay with people having a different point of view, you know, it's just, but, Hey, we're on the same team, but, but we've been so conditioned through media, especially social media. Don't get me started on TikTok, And then like, yeah, it's a problem. Well, I think ufology is a great example of the psyop, especially because back in uh, 1940, was it 40? If it was the year of Roswell, a couple months after Roswell, uh, I believe it was a major, major twinning had said that these craft, these UFOs had outmaneuvered military craft and that they just did these incredible maneuvers that were not understandable. Right. And after 75 years, the most recent this year, 2023, the most recent report that came out from the federal government in the U.S. said, um, yeah, uh, they just outmaneuver our planes and we just we can't really understand how they move this way. It's the same thing 75 years later. We haven't advanced. We went from cell phones and case like suitcases in the 90s to now you can basically have a microchip in your head, literally. Yeah, exactly. So we do have a better understanding of what these things are. It's partly because of ufologists researching it. It's partly because more people have cell phones and things enable, you know, you get more things on video, more things circulating on social media. I mean, all that plays into the perception of time and how time moves and how are we more informed? Are we more disinformed? Do we just have more information, more access to information? There's a lot of different angles for sure to, to break this down, but it also goes back into the occult because when you look at something like NASA, you know, people have their NASA hats and their NASA shirts. Like I love science, hashtag science. It's all, it's all very real. The hashtag go, but NASA was literally founded by a Nazi. Yes. Werner von Braun and his team. And a lot of the research that he took from, is it Pima Munday, Pima Munday, Pima Pima Munday in Germany. I forget the name. I can't pronounce it. That where they did the rocket tests, the ones they used for blitzkrieg on, uh, on, 
The V yeah, rocket on London. Yeah. That's what NASA's built on. And not only that, but, you know, Jack Parsons of the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, he was basically working with like all the classics, right? <laughs> Crowley and everybody else. Absolutely. He was, so there's that. It's like you go from it's just science, right? To actually, it's a lot of occultists using their knowledge to try to open portals or dimensional gateways, summoning lamb. What does lamb look like, Andrew? He looks like a gray. gray Exactly. You know, but, but that also goes right back to Montauk too. I mean, that, that's exactly what that was is, is can, can we rip open these time, these portals in time and space and are things coming through or are are there, you know, what we would say call a monster coming through or, you know, with um, the project Stargate with the remote viewing and all this stuff, when they were seeing civilizations on Mars, I mean, these are real things. Things. And it's just, it can't always just be a conspiracy. Yeah, I had a, a guest on the show uh, last week named Michael Jaco. He's former military. He really was in the military. Really great guy to talk to. Uh, there were one or two things he said. I'm like, mm, not sure. But we had a good, a good conversation. And a few people gave me some flack, which I love getting flack. You know, I'm over the target, I guess, as Alex Jones said, go over the target, you know, <laughs> right? that kind of thing. So I, I listened to the criticism. People said, I don't really believe in the remote viewing stuff. And I, I tell them, well, it doesn't matter. I'm not dismissing what you're saying, but I, it doesn't matter what you believe. And right. It doesn't matter what Michael Jaco, our guest said, or I've even had Courtney Brown on. He worked in the military programs. The point is the military experimented with remote viewing. Right. And that was part of the Montauk project. They did it because whether they believed it and it just happened or there's something to it, they used it because they could weapon. They thought they could weaponize. Exactly. It. That's what's important. They believe it. Even if, you know, powerful, elite, rich people <laughs> all over the world, even if they don't necessarily or you don't necessarily believe what they believe. Right. If they believe doing something will give them power, then they're going to do it. Exactly. Whether that's a, cultism or witchcraft or whatever. Right. No, exactly. It's, it's a real thing. It's really happening. It's really being done. I mean, and from what I've read about project Stargate, they had a lot of success with it. I mean, obviously I wasn't there. I didn't get to see it, but you're, you're right though. The, the government is involved in it and somehow, and that's astonishing to me. My question is if that's all just made up, like I've had people suggest, and I love this suggestion. Oh, well maybe the government just tells you they worked on those programs. It's like, okay, well, you understand that if that's the case, if they just told you they're doing that, then they're lying to you to cover something else Elsa. up. And if they're lying, if they're telling you they're playing in other dimensions as a joke, why are they telling you what is what is being covered up? Whatever is being covered up is more amazing than that. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> if they have to lie, the they have to lie to that level. <laughs> exactly. Right, because that's amazing, right? You know, and, and, and that says a lot about the, these crafts, too, that when, when people, especially military people that are trained observers, that's the big difference. When it's not like it would, it's not like my mom or dad in a field going like, oh, there's a light in the sky. It's got to be aliens. OK, well, that's one thing. But when you have a trained observer, especially a military trained observer, he goes, no, this thing's making uh, turns that are impossible. Physics, the inertia would, would kill or flatten whatever that this thing is that. So that's an issue for me, you know, and like, what's the explanation for that? That that's more than just swamp gas at that point. You know, <laughs> there's something completely different happening. Yes. And that we can apply this idea, this understanding to every other subject outside of the, the baseline occult. Same with cryptozoology. I always tell people I talked to uh, Linda Godfrey before she passed away. I don't, do you have any of her books? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, Linda was amazing. Uh, again, she unfortunately passed away recently. And uh, Linda Godfrey, the last time she was on the show, I talked to her about this. And I also talked to Brad Olson when we had him on a few weeks ago about this. When Europeans, when, when the Spaniards came to Florida, my home state, mm -hmm. Florida is actually called like the land of flowers. They, they named it. 
the Spaniards saw flamingos. And I think there are flamingos in one part of like very southern, some southern part of Asia. But in Europe, they never seen flamingos. Right. And when the Spaniards came back with reports of these, I don't know if you've ever seen one in real life. Very tall pink bird. Yeah, yeah. Very weird looking bird. Of course. And not something you see on your porch every day. Right. Right. And they took those back to Spain and people thought they were making them up. They thought it was, they were delusional right. or it was a cryptid creature. Right. But it was a very real thing. Exactly. Some of it, so much of it is just perspective and, sure. you know, whether the context. Absolutely. You know, and that says a lot too about our history with cryptozoology. I mean, sure. I, I'm, I'm all for a lot of misidentification and I get it fine, whatever, you know, but I, for me too, especially when it comes to the whole Bigfoot and anything, there's been so many different interactions where people are, are physically seeing these things. People have taken the lie detector tests. Uh, people are seeing these things literally appear out of nowhere and then kind of phase out. I don't know, man. It's, I just, come on, give me something. I think it's awesome. How about El Chupacabra? Okay. Here's my issue with El Chupacabra. So it originally originated what uh, Puerto Rico, an island. Um, their identification is a bipedal vampiric little goblin thing. Um, now they say they got chupacabras down in Texas. Uh, they're just mangy coyotes to me. I think that that's all that is. Two totally different things. It's just that the name transferred because the people from the culture came there. They're coming up through Mexico into Texas, and they're just that's what they're calling it. And I, for me personally. I don't think the chupacabra is a real thing. I don't really think that it's real either. But again, I guess you'd have to define what is real True, with right? anything and everything. Right. <laughs> exactly. That's why I don't like those questions. Do you believe in UFOs? Do you think UFOs are real? It's like, well, I don't know. define UFO. Right. Exactly. And <laughs> do I think unidentified flying objects? Well, that no one should dispute that. Absolutely. But then it gets down to that bigger question. Is it aliens or extraterrestrials or life? Yeah. Then it's different. And most of the time it's probably not aliens. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I actually went to a, uh, I went to an event where we were looking at the stars and I, the, I swear to God, Andrew, this actually happened. Someone was like, Oh, there's a big one, a big UFO there. And it's like coming up over the, the trees and I'm looking, I'm like, where, where's this thing at? Cause I was very skeptical of the people I was with. Right. I was like, what is this? And where are you seeing this? And they're like, it's right there. Do you see it? Some of the trees. It's all, I swear to God. And it comes up, it's, it's the freaking moon. It's like, right. it's, I swear to God. And then I thought, well, then again, maybe the moon is a spaceship. Right. <laughs> I got a book on that. This says you got it it. Is. <laughs> I totally do. I think I have a couple actually. Well, you got the Alan Butler who built the moon, right? Yes. I have that one. Uh, the, uh, someone else is on, on the, moon. the moon. I had the mass market paperback of that one. Yep. I got, I just read both those last year. And then you've got David Icke, of course. And I have moon outpost. Moon too. outpost. Yeah. Which is another one. Yeah. That sounds like a, like a really good Netflix or B like a B movie. Totally. Moon like, like outpost. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> some bad science fiction yeah it'd be great no and absolutely so i i mean i laughed at that those people i thought you can't be serious that you know that's the moon right right but at the same time like i'm open nasa did say that the moon seems to be hollow right uh top, rang like a bell ring like a bell that's the, the statement of top physicists even carl sagan had said that uh, a natural object cannot be hollow uh, it would have to artificially be hollowed out based right. on the laws of gravity and the laws of the laws of physics maybe you don't even believe in the laws of physics that's okay but just baseline mainline science here nasa has acknowledged that those are those are things they don't talk to the average person about them but right. that's in the historical record so i'm open to the possibility of that being a thing and and it's like david Icke gets criticism about that but if you read what he says he's just really quoting alan butler and jim mars right. alien agenda and a few other people he's not it's not david Icke's idea no no, exactly. No, absolutely. We're taking what's in the archives and, and developing an opinion on based on what was an observable thing. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And the same thing I can find um, 
uh, you can find what what was it called? Uh, is it U boat? Two, let's see, two thirty-five, U boat two thirty-five or two thirty-nine. I can't remember the exact U boat number, but it was. This is like a part of official history too, part of the National Archives. I think in the United States, I think you can find a record of this. That U boat was packed full. Uh, there was a, a a guy. I think he was Hein Schlick was his name. He invented a fuse that would allow the atomic bomb to detonate because the Americans could not build one. And the, the theory is this was actually information and, and, and um, a, really a scientist. And also uh, there was enriched uranium on board of this U-boat that was transported to the United States at the end of the war. Some, some top Nazi officials got amnesty and they traded uranium and a guy who made the fuse for the bomb. And the weird thing is there's a, there is a, a I have a copy of it, a proximity study, as I said, that the Germans did on Manhattan, right? right? 17 kilotons. That's the, it's, I think it's almost the exact same kiloton load of the bomb that was dropped on Hiroshima. So the idea is the Germans built that because uh, uh, Oppenheimer even said that that bomb that we dropped in Hiroshima was of German providence. Really? Yes, that's a quote from Oppenheimer. Wow, that's amazing. So it's like you can find the physical proximity study and there's a, there's a, there's, that's a real thing. You can look into the National Archives. The Germans had this technology. You can choose to believe whatever you want, but it's, you know, my ideas are based on what's in the archive. It's, right. it's not a fantasy. Exactly. It's not just I came up with this today. No, there, there was there was a catalyst for you coming up with that opinion, you know, an, an informed opinion. Yes, yes. And I'm sure that, you know, you could you, you have so many books in here, Andrew. You could go through these books and you could find so many contradictory views. Oh, sure. Uh, on on different things, but it's again, it's the mystery that that drives all this. I don't think everything you know. You said you don't believe the chupacabra is a real thing, right. but even that, I agree with you. But there's still some mystery to that, and For that's sure. why it's a, a wonderful cryptid story. And I, I would do a whole show on it. Oh, absolutely! Know? Why not? I mean, let's see if we can't get in, you know to the bottom of it. See if we can't find a little bit more information. I'm okay with that. I mean, maybe somebody will come on and be like, "No, I've seen it, and here's what's happening." Like. Okay, that does sound reasonable then. You know, maybe there is something to it. Yeah, that's what's really difficult within these kinds of fields is, first of all, trying to find balance in terms of how you perceive it with the context. The other thing is there's a lot of con artists who just make up stories because, again, it, you know, the mystery is what people are interested in. And if you can create this really good story and put yourself in this position as an expert or whatever, you can sell a lot of books and make a lot of money. So that's part of it. But then there's also certainly just... You know, there are there has to be and there definitely is, I think, in ufology, government influence to misdirect and mislead people. There's so many layers to it. Again, it's not. Do you believe in UFOs? It's more complex than this. Everything. Correct. Yeah, there's definitely disinformation and that things that go on to discredit um, the, the movement as a whole, if I can use that word movement. Um, but yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's unfortunate. But I mean, is it going to come to a head? I mean, is it is it ever going to come out and be like, I mean, how much longer can you keep the secret? What's the end game? I mean, is the end game to be like, okay, yeah, aliens are real. We knew the whole time. I don't think that would work because you'd be like, well, what the hell else are you not telling us? What? Why do we spend all this money on NASA if you've had spaceships that can go in outer space this whole time? You know, or <laughs> like, or what? You know, if you had some kind of crazy weapon technology that could have ended whatever war in a day. You know, but what is the end game? Project Bluebeam is that a thing? You know, don't, you know, that's another thing. Like. Awesome. New fake invasion. Give it to me. Well, the thing is, I see Project Bluebeam was just a Clyde Lewis and I talk about this all the time. It was a theory proposed. I forget the guy's name. It was a theory, an idea. Mm-hmm. But we don't you wouldn't even need, uh, in my opinion, you wouldn't need high technology like that. You would just need to create the perception that this was a like uh, Dr. Carol Rosen, the assistant of Werner von Braun said, 
She talked about using terrorism and using asteroids, right? Remember that? Right. Yeah, and you just you need the idea or the threat of aliens. You don't even, I mean, for three and a half, four years, no one showed us a virus. You don't have to show us aliens. You just have to have the perception of it. Exactly. No, that's a very good point. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It, it's ama- And fear will get people to do a lot of stupid things, even against their best interests. And I, I think this this latest, you know, the run with COVID was a perfect example of an opening salvo of let's just see how much we can control, how much we can get away with. Yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, I think the only other person I heard do a show on this was Clyde. Uh, there, I'm certainly just this is my domain, but I'm sure there's other people out there that do a lot of really similar and great work. There, the idea Time Magazine ran a story like 2000 mid 2020, so it was like in the middle of the beginning of the the, the few first few months of the quote unquote pandemic, and the uh, the story was about how. COVID-19 or SARS-CoV-2 is a potential beta test. I could find the article to what it would be like if aliens invaded earth. Right. And, and the idea of a, I mean, germ theory is something I'm very debate. I'd be willing to debate because I'm not sure how I, how much I believe in germ theory. I don't think much at all, but with that aside, because it's a controversial subject, all you would need is if you just have this idea of like a, a virus or a particle coming from space whether that's a, a an alien virus like right. in the X-Files or it's actual aliens, you just have to have the idea of right. it. An alien inv- a fake alien invasion could be something foreign coming from, coming from somewhere else. It doesn't have to be big, tall aliens. Right. It could just be the idea of a virus. It doesn't even have to be a real virus. No. It could just be an alien virus. They don't even have to tell you necessarily it's alien, but it came from somewhere we don't know where it came right. from. Meteorite crash and it had a bug on it, and oh no. That's your alien invasion. Exactly. They could come in so many different forms, and it doesn't have to be spaceships, and they don't have to actually show you anything. And that's a great point, and I never even really uh, thought about it like that, but you're absolutely right. Because, uh, I mean, look how quickly people were, were, were so willing to give up their, their constitutionally protected rights in, in the name of fear. I mean, that is controlled. Again, that is psyops. I mean, that's exactly what that yes. is. That's a problem. That's a huge problem. And you can see that even if it's even if there's no intention behind creating and cultivating that type of environment, right. I believe that there in in part was and in part wasn't. A lot of people that just follow orders do what they're supposed to do. Right. But certain and again, certainly there is a control element of it where certain things are planned and organized. We've seen that in the documents from the UK and from the United States in terms of the pandemic. But if you can get people to do that with a virus, you can get people to do that with anything. Oh, absolutely. And and it, again, politics aside, people shifted from you have to wear a mask to I support Ukraine. I don't care where the money's going. Right. I don't even want to audit the money. Just give more money. Right. It's yeah. like even if you agree with the situation, you don't want to audit where the money's going. Right, exactly. You don't want to know what's really happening here. Like, what? no, that's hang on a second. That's, you know, when we don't have money for like to help our homeless vets or, or all the homeless people, mental ill crisis that we're having, we don't have money for that for some reason, but we have unlimited money to send everywhere else. That's an issue. I'm not saying don't help other countries. I'm saying th- there's plenty of Americans right here that need the help of their own tax money. I, for some reason, a lot of people don't even understand that the government has no money. The government's funded by us, the taxpayer. So the money they keep sending out and paying for things and buying things, that's our money. You've got Jekyll Island here somewhere. Right. <laughs> You've yes. got to have a copy yes, of I that. Yes, I do. I do. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, I know it's on shelf two at the very bottom. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I know exactly where it is. Now, that's a left-hand path. Right. <laughs> Talk yes. about manifestation and creating things out of nothing. Yes. <laughs> right. uh, so, But again, these things go, if you listen to the whole show last night and also tonight, we've only got about 19 minutes left on the show. It's gone so quick. We've if you only listen for a few minutes, you might have heard us talk about a Ouija board or talk about demons or talk about, 
you might have heard that comment about Ukraine, and you make this this uh, judgment about what the show's been about. I, I, I urge you to listen to the whole thing if you're interested in this and see how, and I'm, I'm not a genius, I'm just trying to tie together and show you that there are things that are very political, very mundane, but they also connect to the esoteric and the occult, and that, like with Werner von Braun and Jack Parsons and Aleister Crowley. Uh, I mean, Aleister Crowley, I interviewed the guy from Idaho, his Idaho State University. Aleister Crowley reportedly was British intelligence. I heard about that. Yeah, there's you, a book you, on You have yeah, that book, yeah, I yeah, think. Yeah, exactly. This uh, Secret uh, Agent 666. Yep, yep, yeah. I, yep, I interviewed that guy. And that's that's kind of what I'm talking about. It's like Crowley's this enigmatic occult figure, but he's also intelligence. Right. I mean, it, reportedly, anyway, it's, the evidence seems pretty clear that he was. Right. How, how do you, you can't differentiate the two. You can't separate the occult from or, or the mundane and the spiritual, the occult, and then the, just the everyday life. It's all part of the same experience. Exactly. It's the big web that we're all kind of just, they're all kind of interconnected. And I, I always get this kind of idea when we t- start talking about things that, that I think like the government would not like. Do we need to go on record officially say that none of us are suicidal? Because I, I don't, I don't want to be <laughs> suicided, <laughs> please. <laughs> yeah. And you'd also, I don't put much faith in the government anyway. You can't get a, uh, you can't fix your roads here right? in Tucson. <laughs> Seriously, you know how bad our roads, know? for those of you who are listening that are not from Tucson, it is pothole city out here. I mean, I, I luckily I have a truck, but that thing's cool. I mean, it's literally the roads are so bad here. Somehow the, uh, this is very, very, very local, but they increase, they kept the 10 cent road tax though. Remember that? Right. Yeah. But it's like, you've had this for, you're like extended for two more years, 10 cents additional tax. But on the certain roads don't things, get any better. But they don't get any yeah. better. <laughs> they just get worse. I don't know if that's corruption or what that is or just negligence, but I, I don't put much faith that the government as a whole is covering things up. Right. It's just average people that go to work and come home. But there are certainly powerful people that make powerful decisions. And that's what. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I agree with you completely. I, I think for the overwhelming majority of people that work within government, they're just they're just cogs in the machine. They, they're, they're, they have no idea what they're doing. They're just going to work, doing their thing and coming home. But I think there is this this group, this small group of cabal at the very top that um, are are not on our side, if I could best say that. I think I don't, I don't like what's happening. I don't like what they're doing. I, I've just seen too much. I've read too much. I've experienced too much to, to be able to trust this this little group. I mean, the president himself is nothing more than a temporary employee. The president, there's a the president has top secret clearance. There's multiple levels above top secrets that the president will never have because need to know. Blah blah blah. It's these politicians that have been there for decades. These are the ones with the power. You know that that's where the power is. For some and reason, they keep getting elected. It's Mitch McConnell uh, kind of people. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm not. I don't have a political view one way or the other. But it's the Mitch McConnell type people. It's the Nancy Pelosi Absolutely. type people. It's left and right. It's uh, Chuck Schumer. Mm-hmm. It's both sides. Absolutely, hundred percent. That's just what you see. Yeah, exactly. And then imagine people that really don't have. In, they just have tenure at some big corporation or some defense contractor. You don't know who they are. Right. And that's why I'm skeptical of like you know who Louis Louis Elizondo is, right? No. The ATIP guy, he's the one that came out of the Pentagon. He's oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy. OK, yeah, yeah. He's, done, he's I've seen his interviews. Yes. Yeah. I met him. Seems like a great guy. He said, I come on the show sometime, but I, he, there's something weird about him. And I, I, it's the, the thing that's weird is that you just come out of nowhere from the Pentagon and you spill these secrets and the media supports you and you can tell people these th- that seems a little too convenient a little too convenient i feel like <laughs> right. i'm being lied to right? <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is too that someone like him might just be honest and he it, just part of his job is to, they're like yeah we really want to inform people go and talk about this and he might sincerely not be a bser right i don't i don't know but i want to the reason i do this show 
is I want to ask and I want to have a platform to be able to ask all of these kinds of questions, because I can tell you, Andrew, in the world of the occult, for sure, you might know this, too. But in the world of radio and in the world of late night radio and in the world of UFOs and all this, there is a dichotomy as strong as in any political discussion or in any religion. If you deviate from the ufology mainstream, you're out. Oh, absolutely. You didn't tow the party line. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And that's ridiculous. And, and and people need to wake up from that. Again, I, I've said it before, but like, it's okay to have that different opinion, folks. And, you know, you don't have to believe everything either, but allow people to express their opinions and do it maturely. It's okay to disagree. It really is. Yes. yes. And that's if you need to respond to your phone. Okay. No big deal. I just, well, we're almost out of time. So. I wanted to uh, kind of tap the brakes. This show's like a big train <laughs> and or a big truck. And if we don't tap the brakes soon, we'll we'll go over the edge. Uh, we are here at Nexus Occult Books and Oddities in Tucson, Arizona. It's 4865 East Speedway Boulevard, correct? That's right. And the website, nexusoccult.com. Andrew Cox is with us here tonight. We are actually in Nexus Occult Books in the tarot room. That's right. We are in the back tarot room. We do all of our tarot readings, palm readings. We actually have a bone thrower coming this month, oh. which is going to be interesting. Oh. Okay. Yeah, I've never had a bone reading, so that's going to be cool. That is very cool. I've I've never seen anybody who actually, I knew about throwing the bones, but right. I've never seen anybody actually do something like that. That's <laughs> kind of cool. Uh, there's all kinds of divination. Oh, absolutely. Divination. Yeah, in fact, I think the woman doing the uh, the bone throwing actually does tea, uh, tea leaf reading as well. So that'll be interesting. Very, very cool. Yeah, That's, I love all that stuff, man. Yeah, I have a whole section in my Occult Arcana book about divination, like I'm learning the different kinds of divination. There's like divination through, uh, I think it's called elect electromancy. It's A-L, not electric, but electromancy. You put like chicken feed or bird seed and then like near letters in really? a circle and then you let the bird go and then the bird i haven't heard of that one <laughs> it's just a, it's a weird thing it's like mid, middle uh middle ages or something really you know that they used i wasn't to familiar that. with that one that's <laughs> just weird now i'm gonna try it <laughs> <laughs> you gotta get a chicken and exactly. some seed. It's, it's that simple i know a guy <laughs> <laughs> he's got a chicken guy i got a t- good chicken guy i got an electromancy guy <laughs> right so uh let's Let's pause and very, very quickly before we run out of time, uh, tell us anything else you want listeners to know about the bookstore and what you do. And then I have a few final questions and, and comments. You got it. So, um, you know, Nexus, like I said, is a, is a community store. We are here for the community. Um, this is a safe space for anybody to come in and really uh, express and find a new path. You know, if you're just interested in the cult, if you're a longtime practitioner, we are welcome to, welcoming to everybody and we have something for everybody as well. And you also have, uh, well, you have the oddities, but oh, yeah. are, are you thinking, you had said that you might expand. Are you trying to do that soon or? Well, see, our lease here is in ends in two more years, and I would really love to double the size of this place just for the simple fact that I want a community space. I mean, uh, it, we have so many books here. It's, it's insane. but and, it, and it's not expanding for the sense of like, oh, I can fill it with more crap to sell. That's nothing at all. I, I really just want to start putting on classes for the occult to teach astrology, to teach tarot and all these other different things, and to teach, um, you know, real traditional uh, witchcraft and, and magic. And but more importantly, for our customers to come in and really have a, a great environment to interact and meet people just like them. Y'all, it's OK to be weird. It's totally it's <laughs> you're good. I'm sure you have a copy of the Witch's Bible. Of course, I get two copies of it. It's, actually. it's such a good book. It is. You think, you know, not you or me, but or you or I or anybody listening, perhaps. But 
you think, oh, that's witchcraft, that's evil. But you read that book, it's literally just like the the, the holidays and oh, the seasons yeah. and like nature. There's nothing nefarious or evil or sc- even, even scary close, about it, you know? Close. Yeah, but it's it's just a great resource. That's actually a wonderful book, uh, especially if you're starting out too, to kind of get your idea wrapped around the different types of, uh, of witchcraft, just like there's different types of magic. I mean, it, it, that's always the fun thing uh, when you come in here. Witchcraft isn't just so... Uh, like Wicca, that's one part. But there's UK, there's African, there's the Voodoo, Hoodoo, Santeria, Balamayombe, all this stuff like that that is awesome. And Voodoo, not to cut you off, oh. uh, but Voodoo actually is partly Catholic. Correct. Which Absolutely. Is, I, that blew my mind when I, I learned that. I thought, <laughs> what do you mean it's partly Catholic? And then I read about it and I thought, oh my God, like Voodoo is basically half African, right. you know, religion, African spirituality, African witchcraft, but it's mixed with Catholicism. Yeah, they deal with a lot of saints and things like that. Same thing with Santeria, because um, yep. obviously we're in yep, Tucson yep. and we're so close to Mexico. So Santeria and, and Brujeria, a little bit different. Um, but Santeria, yeah, it's saint worship. It's dealing with saints and all these, you know, then you have Santa Marta, which is a fun one. That's been like really big all of a sudden. We it's t- kind of great. We talked about Santa Marta and uh, about Kali on the show with oh, nice. uh, our guest Laura Lavender earlier this week. Yeah. Wonderful. That's cool. Let me ask you one last thing about, sure. about that. And I, I'm glad we ran out of time to discuss this in detail because this, we could do another show on this right. and we should, uh, the, the music industry in particular, oh. let's try to, well, let's just preview the next show we do, <laughs> right? The, the music industry in particular seems to have an obsession with this kind of thing. Uh, I think it's Azalea Banks. She did the video where she's like, yeah, I was sacrificing a chicken in my closet and there's, there's like blood all right. over the place. It, and I mean, you've got, I mean, my God, I can sit here and just list so many names. Uh, uh, what was the girl that was with Harvey Weinstein? She did Kim Trails Over the Country Club, uh, whatever her name was. Oh, what is her name? Kim Trails Over the Country drive Club. Me nuts. You better Hold on. look that I'm up. I'm going to find it. Because <laughs> I'm going to lose my mind if you don't. Lana Del Rey. There you go. Del Rey. That's Del Rey. Was, yeah. So Lana Del Rey, she, you know, her, her music or uh, Ariana Grande, right. all, all these songs and, and, and things about whether it's conspiracies or more so it's because it's about demons and mind control and right. psychology taking your, you know, Ariana Grande takes her face off. Right. Uh, she puts a different face on. She has this like mind control imagery on the floor in one of her music videos. There's something weird where they always say it's about bad relationships. They made a deal with the industry. It was a bad deal. I always think that's the metaphor. I really think these people, if they're not doing it intentionally, there are people in the industry who, I mean, crunchy black, uh, Bob Dylan, you name these from three, six mafia to Bob right. Dylan. They talk about how, well, Crunchy Black said, I met the devil. He came as a business guy dressed in a nice suit. Um, This thing, this is real. Absolutely. And these people are not messing around. And the, the little, the little people, let's call them, they're not little to us, but like the big celebrities, they're little people in the industry, really, because the powerful record executives, they make all the decisions. Right. They have all the power and money. So if you can speak to that quickly. Yeah, absolutely. So um, just a real quick background on that. So I used to work for Century Media and Nuclear Blast Records. I was a director of retail promotions from... 2001 to maybe like 2006, if I remember, is obviously a while ago. Um, and so that label, uh, we specialized in like a lot of death and black metal. So you would think, oh, death and black metal, they're definitely doing deals with the devil. No. So I can tell you right off the bat on just on that level. And the funny thing is, and here's why, because like a lot of our artists, whether it was imagery, if they believed it or not, I mean, like, look, if those guys were doing real deals with the devil, our sales numbers would have been much better. Uh, <laughs> so, so like, I, I think because it was 
was like kind of already like, eh, you're already on that team. You don't need to, <laughs> you know, there's nothing you, like you can trade for it, you know, because like you've already taken that side basically. But working in the industry in Los Angeles, I got to know people at, uh, at the time it was called WIA, which is Warner Electric and Atlantic. And I had another friend that worked for Sony and another one that worked for Capital. Now, please understand I'm hearing this second and third information. And so I made a joke uh, about actually to my friend that worked at WIA, like, oh, is it all just like Satan worshiping parties and origins and stuff like that? He's like, you know what, man? He joking said, like, like, look, it's actually a real thing, man. He's like, look, I, I don't get involved in those types of things. He's like, it's above my pay grade, which was weird because he was going to an executive. He's like, but man, there are some hardcore devil worshiping user expletives in this industry that make these deals, man. He's like, I stay out of it. I don't want to get involved in it. And another friend from Sony and, oh, an Island Def Jam as well. They actually owns Roadrunner uh, at the time they did anyways, said almost the exact same thing. And so separately, separately, separately completely like, yeah, I, yeah. One guy I met at a totally different place. And then it was a year later. Again, joking about it because our artists, all of our artists at the time on Century Media Nuclear Blast, I mean, there was a lot of like satanic imagery and stuff. So we'd always joke about it. And I was like, when are you guys going to start bringing on these Satan, uh, these satanic acts? Just jokingly saying it. He's like, bro, we already have it, man. And he started going into like, he's like, dude, the things that go on here, he's like, I, I didn't believe it. I thought it was just complete conspiracy nonsense. He's like, dude, there's some real devil worshipers up in here. I mean, again, I didn't personally see it. I'm hurting it. Second and third hand information, but from multiple people within the label that, that are like the big league, like the big league labels, you know? I, I've always wondered uh, to tr try to condense my response to that quickly because we're <laughs> almost out of time. The idea of, Hollywood, the wood of the Druidic magicians, or just the wood that you use to make a magic wand, conjure up storms, gray, black skies, we call it a silver screen, illusions, right. we're creating this alternate reality, this, this alternate thing that's happening on the screen. Uh, we call it, when we show the movie or the TV on, or TV show on TV, it's called a broadcast, we're casting, casting broadly, yeah. like when we spell a word, we're spelling, we're casting, spell a curse, writing in cursive, uh, broadcasting out uh, we call it movie magic. Right. So then when you look at the music industry, it's like, how does that fit in? Why does it seem like there's a lot more of that in music? I mean, there's a lot in movies, too, but why is there a lot more in music? It's like music is the the muses and drawing on that power and that influence. And it's the, you know, the the music of the spheres of the planetary spheres of, of nature, understanding the laws of nature, things like that. But the inversion of that is to take that concept and distort it. And that's why you always, I mean, even in the, the rock bands that, you know, kind of joke about it and play around with right. that idea, it's always a distorted satanic voice that it's the devil speaking, like in Eminem's music, it's right. like the devil speaking or pop, uh, Poppy or uh, Billie Eilish, who Billie Eilish is Billie Eilish, uh, Bill Bell Ball, Ball. Yeah. on high, Eilish is Eilish is, means on high in, in, in Sumerian and Babylonian. So that. It's not just an influence. It's the people that are putting this stuff together. I don't think it's Billie Eilish. No, no. Yeah, I agree. People that like have studied probably a lot more than you and I have. Right. It's the machine that's making this happen for a much greater purpose, though. You know, again, it comes back to that control of the masses, you know, and I just it's fascinating. We should do another show together. We talk more about this. You got it. That sound good. Absolutely. Okay. Well, we've only got about three minutes, so let's. Let's just pause. I want to thank you so much for coming on the show back to back. So if you missed last night's show, we did a show last night with Andrew. Thank you so much. I, thank you for having me. I, mean, it, I had such a good time. It was such a blast. And I, we're honored to be on here. And it helps out the story. Thank you. And I had a lot of fun, man. I really did. And I can't. I hope we can do this again. I'm glad we will absolutely do it again. And if you're in Tucson, if you're coming through Tucson, please stop 
at Nexus Occult Books and, and say hi. Tell them Andrew sent you. Absolutely. But don't come on Mondays or Tuesdays because we're closed those days. You're closed. <laughs> on Moon Day? Oh, Moon Day? Tier. Tier Day. Tier. Is it two Tuesday tier? Right. I know. Wednesday's Odin's Day. Thursday's Thor's Thor, Day. right. So yeah, Tuesday's Freya's tier. Friday. Yeah, there right. you go. So yeah. don't come on the day of the moon or the day of war. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Any other day. <laughs> Any other day is fine. Yeah, Saturn's Day, Sun's Day. Absolutely. Isn't that incredible? The days of the week are right. named after... And the people just don't get that don't either. <laughs> Saturn's Day, Sunday, right? Moon Day, Tyr, Vodan, Votan, Odin, Thor, Frigga. Right? <laughs> it's powerful. The months too. I mean, it's amazing. That's how, right? that's what occultism is. That is the occult right there, whether you like it or not, folks. Whether you like it or not. <laughs> if someone wanted to get in touch with you, how would uh, they, they can go to our website, nexusoccult.com. There's a contact there. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We always respond to the messages on that. So we love hearing from people, man. Absolutely. And we do too here on The Secret Teachings. Check out our website, thesecretteachings.info, rdgable at yahoo.com is the email, and the other email, the backup is tstradio at protonmail.com. Please subscribe. Please buy a book. Aftermath.media is where you can subscribe to the show now. If you're already a subscriber on our website, you can keep that subscription. But if you have questions, comments, concerns, email me. Even if uh, you uh, couldn't get a hold of Andrew and you had a question or something, email me and I'll pass it to him. I'd love to get your feedback, so please message me. Let us know what you think of the show. Let us know what you think of Andrew being on the show. And uh, I'll give that to him and we'll definitely have you back and we'll talk about the music industry. Sounds great to me, man. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. This has been a, a blast. It was it's fun. A blast. This has actually been more fun than doing the show. I did it by myself or my fiance, but at uh, Rachel Nevada, this has been more fun than that. <laughs> awesome. this, is, this is so great. I'll take it. <laughs> uh, l- let's go out with uh, another song here. Uh, this is uh, if this is the right one. This is such a fun song. You ever heard the Rasputin song by Boney M? No. Ra, Ra, Rasputin. No. You know who Rasputin is, Oh, of is, course right? I know who Rasputin <laughs> is, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let's Got like get... like five books on him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's get Rasputin going. A listener, I know our listeners like this song. This is The Secret Teachings. I'm Ryan Gable, Andrew Cox, our guest. In Russia long ago. A, it's a good song. I like the Rasputin song. You should get this on the. I will, I will add it to the playlist. Tells the whole story. That's a good song. But you know, I, I, I we have Ghost too, so maybe we should. I got one of my favorite Ghost songs. We should go out to that. Oh, where is it? Where is it? I mean, how can you go wrong with the ritual? Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much, Andrew. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Bye, guys. Stay safe. Stay informed. Stay healthy. We'll talk to you in the next broadcast. Oh,